talk about board games. We're going to talk about board games. We have risen from the grave to bring you a horrific episode of the Tabcast. Many board games will curse your ears, reality will overwhelm your senses, and we list the movies that will genuinely scare you. For a Halloween special. I didn't know we went anywhere. <laughs> Halloween. Ooh. You love it. Sure. We yeah. decorate as like more for Halloween than any other holiday. We start decorating in September because we usually have vacation time in September. Right. Right. But we don't do the outside until October 1st because we're not weirdos. Right. Much. We don't want to be those neighbors. Right. <laughs> you know? No gourd display ever. <laughs> Well, you do a pumpkin. I don't do a gourd display. Well, no. You know what I'm talking about. Like the, the squash? The gourd displays that you can do. You can buy a bag of gourds nowadays. The little, all the little ones? So gourdish. You're weird. You're weird. <laughs> um, I, why are we back, though? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we had an afternoon. I don't even know where the conversation started, where we were just like, yeah, you want to do an episode? Kind of. I, I think you just said something like you like doing Halloween episodes. Well, I think I was just saying, asking if you missed doing the podcast, and we're both kind of like, eh, parts of it. Eh. Right. But then I said, well, you really always really liked the Halloween episodes, and you're like, right. well, we could do a Halloween episode. Okay. Well, Halloween's the best Ta-da. holiday. Right. I don't care what the do- where the dollars <laughs> lay, because I looked, I looked it up a while ago, what, what was the, you know, most... Paid for holiday. Well, I mean, that, and that's how they judged it. What's right. the most successful holiday? And they were, you know, I was arguing with someone that, that Halloween was over Easter. I was wrong. <laughs> I was so wrong. Easter makes so much more money and it sells more candy. Just on candy or overall? Like totally. I, I mean, it just. Because you don't. Well, I guess I you buy in Easter. candy sales. I mean, you don't sell costumes and candy. No, but you sell little pretty dresses to little girls that want to dress up. Silly. And then the little boys put on like Silly a little, little vest. Not on purpose. Well, no, their parents buy them. Right. Then it's another girl thing. Girls force those boys to put on vests. Because <laughs> <laughs> their they're, they're dads aren't doing that, are they? I don't know. I don't either. I don't think they are. I don't really talk to people that Halloween force their kids to just dress so you know, up. <laughs> Not on purpose. Halloween is more successful than Fourth of July. Well, who buys candy on 4th of July? I'm not saying candy sales. I'm saying overall dollars generated by the holiday. Right, because most people will go ahead and go to other They buy displays. barbecue stuff and they buy fireworks they buy and stuff. they buy food every day. People grill for any reason. I'm just saying Halloween they probably is can't. more successful than, than the 4th of July. That's fine, but they can't take food into consideration because what if there was like a football game that weekend of Halloween? Did they buy the food for Halloween? It's more or successful for the than the football? Super Bowl. Halloween is more successful than the Super Bowl? Yes. That's because football's stupid. No offense, guys. Come no offense. with that. No, I really hate it. I How hate it so you. much. I don't like it either. But I, It's just not my thing. I And I have gone to a game in person. I gave it a fair shot, and I didn't like it. I mean, the shot being fair or not is debatable. I, I think it was too cold for you to be reasonable that day. 
It wasn't that bad. Well, it probably was. I don't remember exactly. I remember I really enjoyed the stadium. The stadium was awesome. You were on the shady side of the stadium. Well, whatever. Who cares? It was still boring. It was. It was. Um, (laughs) But we're not. And we lost a listener. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't matter. We're just (laughs) we're just back. Uh, We don't know if we're going to do more episodes or how often or anything like that. If we do. (laughs) This one's just sort of a, uh, a in the middle of nowhere. We got bored. Right. So take it or leave it. Uh, but we actually did play some board games. <laughs> Let's hear about them. Okay. We like to game with gods. We like to game with dice. So this is what we say. But when the chips were gone and the sun came up, hey, let's see what God played. All right, Nicole. We've got a huge list. We really do. Well, we haven't talked for like an hour and a half to each other. No, I'm no, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so let's let's just start with one that we kind of we tried to get listeners to vote on to to be a feature. And way we back played when. it without you. And we went ahead and played it uh, <laughs> despite the negative criticisms that we got from certain listeners about this game. <laughs> I won't name any names, but we played La Isla. Right. Does that translate to the island? Sure. <laughs> I guess it's Bonita. Um, this is sort of an abstract game and it's, it's developed by Steffenfeld. It's got a lot of theme kind of aspects sort of pasted on top of it, but nothing really thematic. You're just surrounding areas with guys and collecting tokens and these tokens add up to bonus points, you know, at the end of the game. Right. That's, that's the game. Right. So you'll have like areas on the board where you, you have to place a guy like place three guys to surround an area or place four guys to surround an area mm-hmm. or just place two guys to surround an area. And when you surround the area, you get the token. Right. Now, what's what's kind of cool, I think, about the game is that it's got you've got these multi-use cards. You get three of them every turn. And that is always an attractive feature. Right. And you get to decide because you have to play all three of these cards and they have three different ways they can be used. Each one is, you know, each one of these ways it can be used is different. And you get to decide which one you want to be played where. So there's actually quite a bit of variety and quite a bit of decision every turn when you take your turn. Because like, uh, what is it? One of them is a new ability that you have to put into play. One of them is a resource cube that you're going to get to uh, use during the turn that that's how you place resource cubes. Um, is that how you place your guys down? Or yeah, you, when the, okay. The, the areas on the board will be color coded and the resource cubes are also colored the same coded. Uh-huh. So you use, you have to pay for placing your guy on an area by spending the resource cubes. I almost took a drink of that way too hot tea. I would have burned my lips. Well, don't do that. <laughs> uh, you're right. Um, and then you can, the last one is going to move one of five different animals on a research track. And these, uh, as they go up, they become multipliers, uh, for the end of the game. And they also tell you when the game is going to end because they, once that total reaches a, you know, the total of multipliers added together reaches a total number like 15 or something like that. I thought it was seven. Okay. Seven. (laughs) Then you, then the game ends overall. Right. Uh, and then you add up your points based on which animal cards you kind of invested in and which tokens which you collected. Which animal tokens and, you collected. Right. Which, what you, how, where your multipliers are on those animal tokens and stuff it kind of all add up into a big mess of points and, and whoever is the highest wins. Right. Now, Fred got angry 
during Did this I? game. Oh, you, you don't remember? I don't, honestly. He called me a name, a bad name <laughs> that I'm not going to repeat here today. Oh, this is this is like this could be any game. This wasn't this game specifically. So <laughs> this don't could be any time I'm talking to Nicole. Don't she's think, just awful. No, don't think that this is like. <laughs> Unique to this game. This is unique to any game. <laughs> You're not making this sound better, I baby. I don't care. <laughs> this is any game where you spend three or four turns in a row getting one big master plan to go, and then that person ends the game before you get to do your big, you know, point grab. And in this case, I thought I was losing the game, and I was I was at that turn. I was at the moment where I was ready to pull the trigger. It was four turns of planning, and I was going to gain like. 16 points or something More like that. More than that. It was like 25 points. It well, was ridiculous. And considering that you only go just... We were basically breaking 100 is about what we were hitting most of the time. Yeah. And just considering that I was going to get 25 points in one play, like an, a 25% increase in points, and she stops the game at that point just on a fluke. She she picked a certain animal that she there was no reason for her to pick. She just did it because the other cards were because more Because I sense. needed the other cards. Right. So it was just it was just frustrating. So I, I called her name. And so for days, I rubbed that in his right. face and had him do fun things like for me, like, will you go get me some tea? It was why? It, why do I have to it get was, you tea? It was like very, you call me a name. You know like, that. It was okay, it, I'll get it's you tea. <laughs> similar to like trying to uh, hit the ball short in baseball. <laughs> what is that? What do you mean? <laughs> if, if someone doesn't really swing the bat, they can also this version of. <laughs> I'm not even going to do it. Please you. don't. I I don't know what you're saying, but it was bad. Anyhow. Right. Um, anyways, that's Fred and I are still very much in love. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The uh, that that's La Isla. I think um, it was okay. It, I think it's, it's too stressful for you, baby. No, I, I think that honestly, it, it's just kind of boring. I, I think it's it okay. okay. It's got okay decision making during the turn. I think overall the play on the board is boring, and I think that the trackers were dumb. I just don't. I think if somebody told me, okay, I I really like abstract games, I would pick this one over a lot of others out there. If someone told me my favorite game is Through the Desert, what other game should I play? I would say, why don't you try La Isla? It's pretty fun. Only there's math. It's it's I think it's it's a better version of Through the Desert to me personally. I think it's I think the only reason you even think that is because you have to decide where to place your little guys. You surround areas and take tokens off the board, which is what you do in Through the Desert. On a much bigger scale. I don't care. I like this version more. Well, I do, too. (laughs) Except for the butter camels. I will forever miss them. Um, I think it's okay. I for me personally, it was a two out of five. So it was like what? 20 bucks or something. It wasn't uh, super expensive. Two out of five. It was for me. I, I give it a three. All I right. liked it. You're a tough girl. If you're looking for an abstract, I thought it was worth it. All right. Um, next, we played a game called Bring Out Your Dead. This is a... Is I think a we wins? talked about this one before, didn't we? I thought well, I... You probably talked about it. I didn't talk about it. Oh, because you didn't get to play it. Right. Because you weren't invited. Um, Bring Out Your Dead is a... Uh, an area control game. You've got a board that's split into two different graveyards, one on each side of a river that runs through the middle of town. And there's several plots to bury coffins in. And every turn you're playing cards down to uh, 
put coffins in certain grave spots and trying to increase, you know, how many points you're going to get at the end of the game. And there is like a balance, like a sort of an area control power struggle that goes on between the players because you can see how the game's going to end up. There's not many secrets. I mean, there, there's people are getting some specific cards that they can play down for bonuses at the end of the game. But for the most part, you're placing coffins and being very directly, you know, affecting each other's, you know, points. Right. That you're using, that you're getting during the game. And uh, in this game, you, you've got these uh, bid cards. And this is what's kind of interesting about this is you've got this, these bid cards numbered like two through seven or something like that in your hand. I think it's through nine. But either way, and you have to play two of these cards down and certain cards will put coffins out earlier, like the higher the number, the earlier they go off. So you'll put coffins down, but there's only so many coffins that are going to be allowed in the graveyard every turn. And it's determined by like a uh, a turn card or whatever that you shuffle up and you deal those out and it'll say only three coffins are going into the graveyard this turn. Right. And so then you have you have decisions. But you didn't to make. know that when you picked your cards. What you did got, you? Or did yeah, you, you do. do. You yeah, do. you do. But then you decide how you're going to put your bid cards down and when you're going to play them because they have special effects that go along with them. And the lower the number, the later the coffin goes in, but the better the special effect for you. Right. At the same time. And uh it, it does make it pretty interesting. And, and first player changes every single turn so that you're going to be getting a mix of people. Now, you and I are the only ones who played this. So it was very direct, like, you know, hose Take each that, other. You yeah. know? <laughs> but the uh, the if you were playing four players, I bet the chaos would go up. You played four players, didn't you? Yeah, it was a little more chaotic. Yeah. A little harder to track who was winning. Oh, what. I can never track that anyway. I'm so bad at it. <laughs> um, this game was de- developed by Upper Deck, I believe. The same people yeah. who do uh, the legendary hero card system. Yeah. Um, I thought this game was good. I enjoy it. I think it's a fun game. Like, if I was going to say this or La Isla, I'd take this. Well, yeah, me too. Any day of the week. Yeah. Uh, it does come with really nice little cool wooden cutout coffins. Yeah, to they're place. so tiny. And I, I got this on a trade uh, with Frank. Uh, the guy who was in the others episode with us. We didn't know we were getting it from Frank. It right. was a math trade. He got rid of it because he said Daniel and, and Chris and the guys over there didn't like it. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. It's, if you had if you needed a second game to play in one hour that, that feels like you have some pretty fun decisions and doesn't is area control without making everybody angry at each other. Yeah. I think that Bring it's, Out Your Dead is a pretty good game. Yeah. And it's pretty quick. I mean, we learned it and played it. In less than an hour. Right. So that's totally worth it. Yeah, I think it's pretty fun. If you can pick this up cheap, uh, it's it's a fun one, especially if yeah. you've got some people with some sort of, you know, macabre kind of taste. Then like us. Yeah. <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> Who likes corn on macabre? Oh, the, my uh, God, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> then then you, you, pick, you pick this up, right? <laughs> <laughs> you loved corn on macabre. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, next thing we did, we actually did have a board game day in in September over at our place, like a like a marathon day. Yeah. And we usually start those off with a dexterity game, and I try to get one that we've we've haven't played, or at least a variation of one we haven't played that you know with a big group of people. Uh, this one you can't play with a big group of people, but we did finally get it. It's not a new game. It's uh, we got the version that's called Rampage, but the newer version's called Terror in Meeple City. And uh, this one is legality. It's, it's themed, oh, you know, very much like the game Rampage, the original the video game by Midway. Right. It, uh, you have a, a bunch of mon- you're, you each play a monster and you're each doing these little 
you know, effects to try to smash a city. And the city is, is like you've got these cardboard layers of buildings that you stand up with meeples in between each layer. So you build these little buildings. So you'll have like four, like five by five cardboard pieces. All, you know, it'll be like layer of meeples, card five by five piece, layer of meeples, five by five piece. And you kind of build these buildings up like that. And then you're doing stuff like, you know, flicking discs into it or dropping your guy on top of it. You dropping your little monster token. Yeah. You can blow on the board to blow stuff off because you're all you're trying to do (laughs) is trying to get these floors knocked down and collect them and collect all these little meeples that are like holding up the floors as well. And then you get bonuses based on having a full set of all the different colored meeples and plus you, you have all have like a bonus secret bonus card yeah. and you have you all have an individual power and stuff that really mixes up the game pretty well. My my biggest complaint is that it's only four players, to be honest. And it takes a really long time to set up. It took quite a while. And then, yeah, and, and the game itself took maybe, was it like about the 30, 40 minute mark? I think or it was so? a little longer than that. Like we just, we weren't very dexterous. Dexterous, right? Because there, there's a they have that kind of movement thing, and in a lot of these dexterity games, when you do a movement, you have like a movement disc. So in this case, you pick your little monster guy up off of this off his feet, and his feet are a little disc, and you flip this disc. Well, it's another one of those weird ones where if your disc touches anything, it basically ruins your move, right? <laughs> and for some reason, that's like a really standardized mechanic because flick 'em up has that same kind of thing too, yeah. where if you try to move and your disc touches anything. You're, you've automatically ruined your move, and you have to go back to where you were, and you've just lost that action. Flick them up takes a while to <clears throat> a while to put together too. Not as long as this. Not as long as this though. This yeah. is this is a, a lot slower to put up because yeah. you have to build all those little buildings and everything. Um, it was it was all right. I didn't hate it. Yeah, it was okay. If, if you said this or flick them up, I might I might pick this. I don't know. This one felt a little more controlled. I mean, flick them up is like. I don't know. We, we've played Flick 'em Up a couple times where it's just like you're just you're never going to get the right angle to what you need to do on the mission. And the other person's just like flick it into his guy, you know. Right. <laughs> and, it, and in that case, like you'll be like your, your job is to go to here and get the banknote and then deliver the banknote over here. Their job is to shoot you the whole time you're moving all around the, the town. You well, know? And Flick 'em Up has that set number of turns that's, that it's going to happen right. after that. It's over. Right. This you either one or you that. didn't. This one, this one is you play until all the floors are knocked out. Right, which can take a while. Right, right. <laughs> if you're as, we as crappy out. as we are. Um, production wise, it's a nice production. I mean, it's it's cool. You don't get to smash it. This theme is not really done any anywhere else really in these games like this. I think there might be something coming up, but I, I haven't been paying attention. <laughs> I, I, there is there is one coming up. I can't remember what it is though. There's some smash monster game thing. You thought you were tuning into an informative board game podcast. You were wrong. You were, wrong. We we're just um, bored. <laughs> Terra Meeple City, though, I think uh, it's all right as far as these as far as these dexterity games go. It's it's middle of the road. This is one that I really. They always have the big version games at Gen Con. Mm-hmm. This is one that I think would be a lot of fun. Well, when as we far saw it, when we saw the big version at Gen Con. Will Wheaton was sitting down at the table to play it, and, and it was just like the, the guys at the booth were like, "Everybody get back!" Will Wheaton's at our table. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I thought it was pretty good. I, I'd say it's a three out of five. It's a middle of the road dexterity game. Yeah, I'd, I'd say agree. flick 'em ups a little better. I'd say maybe. What else do we have? I don't even know. 
Um, pitch car. Pitch car is a little better. No, I don't think so. You don't think so? No, no. You think pitch car, pitch car is worse? I'm so terrible at pitch car. That's the best part of pitch car for me. No, I'm just kidding. Well, you're good at it. It's, it's a it's a middle of the road. It's nothing pitch special. Pitch car is like you've got a racetrack and you're just flicking your disc to get around the racetrack right. faster than your opponents. Right. Nothing special. Not a... Not you bad, have to, not good. Yeah, well, with pitch car, you have to buy all the expansions to get, like, jumps and stuff, too. And they're expensive. Right, right. I still won't buy them. I won't either. I always look at them. I'll see them on sale on cool stuff, and I'll be like, maybe this is the day. And I'll and then I'll fill my card up to $100 really fast with other stuff. And I'll be like, don't need that pitch car. <laughs> all right. Well, that's Rampage Terror in Meeple City. Uh, not bad. If you if you're if you're missing dexterity games in your collection, that you could go much worse than that. Definitely. <laughs> um, so the next one we did is a little a little bit newer. Uh, we played a game called Century Spice Road. Now this is sort of a successor to the Splendor series. Um, in this one, you're trading like in Splendor, you're you're trading gemstones to generate, or you're basically using gems to buy mines that generate gems that let you buy bigger mines that are worth points, and then you, you know, end up when you get fifteen points of mine cards, you <laughs> win the game. They were mine cards. Yes, oh, I didn't realize that. That's what you were doing is trading. Gems. I was just trading poker chips to get sure. the cards sure. that matched so that I could right. buy the bigger ones that's, with the cards with the actual points. Right. That's what mechanical games do. They just <laughs> throw something on top of it and say, yeah, no, it's mines and gemstones. Right. And it's like, no, it's trading this color for this color so I can use those colors to buy this recipe on this card. We got really lucky with Splendor, though. We got the version with the really good poker chips, not the plasticky ones. I have no idea. They, they've they've degraded the quality of the pla- of the uh, poker chips. The one that we have has the uh, simulated clay. Uh huh. Is what what they are? They're they're still like a rubber compound, but they're to simulate a clay poker chip. But they've got like a really good feel to them. They're just mm-hmm. in, they're just nice to play with. Right. They're like our other poker chips. Right. I like them. They're good. Uh, but that's this not one, this game. This, this game, game has no poker chips. No poker chips. They get rid of those completely, um, which is kind of. Kind of depressing because what they replace it with is boring painted cubes. I like the painted cubes. I don't. They're just colored cubes is what they've got in here. But then they've got them in these little soy sauce bowls. <laughs> yeah. It comes with four little little soy sauce bowls. And you put your cubes in those. And these cubes represent different spices. Yeah. The, uh, Which we never called them by the, what they're supposed well, to be. I didn't even be. know what they were. Saffron. Cinnamon was cinnamon. Cinnamon. Turmeric? Yes. And hot dogs? Was that one of them? Yeah, it was hot dog flavor. Yeah. (laughs) Is that a spice? Salt. No, it wasn't salt. (laughs) I don't remember. Cumin, maybe. Maybe. But anyway, I thought like the colors were wronger because I, I think wasn't I the I wasn't the saffron the green one or something weird. I don't, I don't know. And saffron's red. Maybe it was the red one. Doesn't matter. That also leads me. Saffron is like the most expensive spice in the entire world, right? But it wasn't the most expensive one in the game, huh? So this is a, it's a it's a game set in a certain time. It's and moderately back flawed. then. It, it was a little more uh, saffron was everywhere available. I guess I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, I've never used it because I'm. I would just ruin it. I don't right. know what the point is. Sure. Back to the game. Back to the game. The uh, <laughs> So in this one, you have, it's a lot more trading cards. 
Then there are cards that that just get you a, a resource. So it's it's like you'll buy a card, and it's not simply like this card generates one white chip every turn, like in in Splendor. Right. This is like, hey, if you have two green cubes, you can change those into a yellow cube, two red cubes, and a brown cube. Right, but that's like some of the cards will say that, like a, a card will say but that. But I'm just saying, most of the the deck, the majority of the deck, is that type of card. You can get a card that says that you just get this cube every turn, right? If you use that card, but or this, you can get one that says you can upgrade your cube. So, right. and to upgrade it, like a yellow one would turn into a red one, which would turn into a green one, which turns into a brown one, and the brown one is the more expensive one, even though it's not the saffron one. Right. So let's let's just talk about how it plays different. This in, in the in the Splendor game, you were going to be spending either generated resources that were represented by cards like mines that you had on the table, plus Come chips on. in your hand to buy a rest, you know, to fulfill a recipe or a little formula on the side of a card that's on the table and pick that card up off the table and place it in your tableau, like in play. Right. This one is not like this. This one you it have a hand is. of cards. Right. And you don't really, the only thing that are played on the table are cards that you've played and can't play again until you pick them up again. Right. Uh, and so you've got like, you know, you start off with a card that's like you trade, you know, what was it three yellows or two yellows for a red or something like that? I think so. Is all you, and then you get like a, I don't forgot and what then the other you have one, the, a pickup card. You had a pickup card. Well, and you have the one that'll let you upgrade. Right. Oh, yeah. One that'll let you upgrade two, two of your cubes, cubes one so level. So you can, yeah. So you can either upgrade one cube, two levels, or two cubes, one level. Right. And one level is yellow is the bottom, red is the the I next, just said green this. is the next, then brown. You don't even listen so to me. So if you shh, <laughs> stop stepping on me. <laughs> My God. <laughs> So if you if you have two yellow cubes, you could with the if you play that card down, you could just take them either to red or like each. You'd have two reds and you'd th- put their yellow cubes back or you could take one yellow cube and take it all the way to green. Right. Did you say that? You just did. Why would I say it? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. Oh my goodness. That's so you're playing cards out of your hand, you're taking the action on the cards and then ev- when you run out of cards, you need a card desperately back, you play the card that gets you all the cards off the table. On the t- on the on the actual table itself, there's two rows of cards. One is adding cards to your hand. Another one at the top the top row though is cards that add points to the game and you and all you're doing is playing to get 6 cards into your point stack so if you buy from the point row you put it in your point stack if you buy from the other row you put it in your hand you play it as an action right or you can play it as an action and you're just trading cubes like crazy buying those those cards that get you cubes easier and trying to come up with some magic you know i play this this turn this next turn i can have any amount of cubes i want kind of combination is what you're trying to achieve with these with these cards and cube trades and just get points in. And of course there's some coins that if you buy certain cards in the one tableau, then you, you get extra points and get like these really nice metal coins. Mm -hmm. Um, but this game, what, what's kind of cool about this, I thought is it does retain that splendor quality of quick play. Yeah. So it when when someone takes their turn at, at one point I remember when when Daniel Chris and, and Sabrina got here no Daniel Chris and Frank and Sabrina yeah sorry all four of them got here we were trying to finish a game of this up with Matt and Brianna 
And our turns were going so rapid fire at that point. I noticed that we were just like, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. And it's like, it's already back around my turn. Right. You know? It was, it was pretty cool. We played, we played a four player game of it in under an hour. Right. And by the, by the, this is teaching it and yeah. playing it. So I, I like it. And this shockingly, game. Matt won that one, didn't he? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I really like this game. I think it's, I think it's a, a definite keeper. Yeah, it's a four oh, or yeah. five for me. Oh yeah, is Century Spice Road, and I know that there's a Gollum version of this out. I don't even know. There's like a different themed one, and it's oh. got a Gollum, and it's got acrylic pieces rather than little wooden cubes. And does it still have the little metal coins? I have no idea. I just know that that theme wise, it's it's more whimsical and less. Trading in the Mediterranean kind of thing. <laughs> so like like the little uh, precious guy that No, it's 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 got these like cartoony looking golems. Like a golem is just sort of an animated uh statue. Weird. That's what Gollum is a is a character in a in a book, but he's but as as just a type of creature, it's like you can have a stone golem, a you know, a, a fire golem, a crystal golem. You can have all these golems where you animate something that would normally not be animated. Lava golem. You huh. know, you could have all this stuff. Okay. I'm just saying. I don't, it's that type of golem. Right. So and if you have one, you don't need the other. Yes. Okay. They are the same game and you don't need to buy both. And I guess everybody's clamoring for the golem version of it. We got the spice road one, the boring one. The spice is the saffron. It just it smells so delicious. It was on sale. <laughs> <laughs> if the Gollum one had been on sale, I would have bought that. Right. But it doesn't matter. Four Which out of five. It matters not. Next up, we played uh, Shadows of Normandy. We played a lot of games. I'm just saying, brace yourself. We're not even halfway there yet. Are you kidding? No. <laughs> Shadows of Normandy, or over Normandy. Um, so this is a Heroes of Normandy Except this Rip is Shadows no. over Normandy. This is their horror-themed thing. Uh, Heroes of Normandy is a World War II set, like a uh, quick kind of uh, combat game, usually one versus one, you know, kind of uh, little, you use little chips and stuff. You move little chips that, that represent troops around a board and, and Isn't roll dice to Isn't it supposed to be more players, though? Like up to four or something? Nope. I thought like one of the levels yeah. like had to have more players in this game, but I'm talking about heroes right now. Oh, okay, um, wrong game. Oops, it's the right game, but I'm getting to it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna uh, just sit here and drink my coffee. What what makes this uh, what makes this game kind of unique is there are like some heroes and stuff like that, and there is a selection. This is outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> I just made her spit. The uh, so there are heroes and stuff like that in this. There's I just also got it everywhere. These, I'll be back. There's also like a nice little point system where you have a recruitment tile, and you can put these little smaller tiles inside of it, and they they match ribbon type. You can purchase them and put them with them, so it sort of helps you build troops pretty quickly, and it also kind of varies how troops go. Of course, there are heroes in this, and the heroes are significantly more powerful than your normal troops and they kind of mix things up and you'll, you know, they definitely put like some sort of like emphasis for the opponent to sort of focus in on and despise, you know, Uh, and this is the same sort of, this is the same game just with a re theme in this game. You have a U S Rangers 
group that that has like uh, some sort of supernatural uh, investigation kind of thing going on, and they're kind of running smack into uh, the Cthulhu uh, mythos kind of stuff going on. So I've got we've got rain, U.S. Rangers on one side, and on the other side we have uh, you know monsters from the mythos, like deep ones and crazy stuff like that. Sorry, I got it everywhere. I know. You're still cleaning up. I'm still talking. I don't even know what you're doing. <laughs> I got it up my nose. You got it up your nose. Great. Um, so this is the horror-themed one. It is very dice-heavy. It's very luck-heavy. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty simple game when it gets down to it. It plays a lot like HeroScape. You have turn orders that you put down uh, secretly face down. And then you reveal them over the course of the turn. So someone sort of knows what you're intending or to a certain extent of what what you're intending to move during a turn, but they don't know exactly when you're going to do it. Uh, There's it's I say it's light and easy, but it's it's it's, not. Okay. (laughs) guess who's back from cleaning. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the uh, it's 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 got more rules than you would expect. It reminds me rules wise on a on a level that's about the same as that Hero Clicks game. Hero Clicks is another oh, game that gosh. seems like it's going to be simple and it's not. There are so many little nuances to it. This game has a lot of little nuances. Now most of them are based around moving around the board and how you move around other people. And like how terrain affects you and that kind and of thing. And this will block you and that doesn't. And you can shoot right. through this, but you can't shoot through that. And there's a little negative. So does can right. you go through that? I don't know. But here there's an arrow. So the negative is to the arrow. <laughs> but then this is a plus two and that has a minus two. But this is in a circle that's orange and that one's in a triangle that's red. So I don't know what the difference is between those. Then you've got a little waterfall that's got a line through it. So I'm, can I not go through there? Well, no, you can go through there. You just can't go through there very fast. Okay. Obviously, this is a brief. She's reading off of a map and it's abbreviated so that it doesn't have a thousand words per space and there's a reference chart that you can go through and easily look this stuff you never up. give me the reference chart you would not use it even if i did i would no you would not. i would <laughs> i would totally use it i always do nicole's mad because she has lost every three consecutive games so far in this game. campaign and we've agreed to switch sides this time. I'm going to play the Rangers attacking this cave full of deep ones in this next mission. It's and I'm sure fun. I'll die. Oh, I'm going to make sure of it. I know. Because <laughs> you know what all these little symbols mean. That's and I have no reference. What it is. I'll give you the reference. Please do. You're going to be the keeper of the rule book okay. from now on. No, 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 no. That's not what I said. That is not. No. <laughs> oh, Oh, you want some responsibility, but not all of I it. I just want a reference so, of back so I can know what you said instead of saying, well, what was this? I just told you. I, this is all made up. I just up. told you, and then you don't even listen. You're playing with your phone. Well, no. Should I do my voice like that for the rest of this podcast? <laughs> no. <laughs> Whenever Nicole's not around, here's my impersonation ever. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's not how it is. <laughs> Um, so yeah, she has lost a lot of these and and it, it is a fast, it's a fast game. So honestly, if, and it is very luck based. So if the dice go wrong or go South, your entire mission can fall apart at just the right time or just the wrong time, however you're looking at it. And, uh, I think it's pretty simple. It takes, uh, not very much time to set up. It's, it's not too bad. The missions that I'm playing with or that we've been playing with are in the book. It comes with like 10 missions, I think. 
and they're very spelled out. They have specific uh, qualities. There's a lot of variance to it, so it doesn't feel like I'm playing the same game every single time. We're doing a lot of different stuff. That like is true. The weather's changing, how the terrain works. There's fog that yeah. I can't see, the, how the and terrain it doesn't works. help me understand um, the symbols any. Yeah, where you're supposed to go, what you're doing. I mean, if you recall, we did play uh, Heroes of Normandy on one of our episodes uh, a little over, like a year and a half ago And I didn't so. understand it then. And Nicole was in that mission. She was trying to attack us while we tried to save the general's dog that had been let loose and decide in, in enemy minute. territory. Did I, did I lose that game? Did, did I win? Just barely. Did I lose? You did really well. Oh, yeah, well. I lost. You did what you normally do. You lose. did really well right off the bat, and then I just turn it around and you have no response. Right. <laughs> So, um, Shadows of Normandy, we're in the middle of the campaign. We're kind of taking our time with it because we have no agenda and no schedule. So, we just do no what we want. deadlines. Games are fun again. Um, I st- I still like it, and it's funny. The the it's it's like any war game. When I played Warhammer Forty Thousand and Warhammer Fantasy, when it, once I knew the rules really well, the game was an absolute joy. But getting to the point where you know the rules really well and you're not having to reference the book is is a, a climb. And this one's a bit of a climb. Yeah. Uh, so if you're into war games, it's probably a four out of five. If you're not, it's probably a two or a three. Two. You're a two? I, you like it a lot more than I do. I, I, think I don't it's a three. hate it, but it's so confusing. I want that reference. I think it's a three. And if I learn the rules like the back of my hand, it'd be a four. It's cool. It's got a lot of theme. I like the artwork. I do like the artwork. It's really cool. Anyway, uh, Shadows Over Normandy. Uh, Next up, we played uh, the third time. We've talked about this game a few times, but we have to mention it just because (laughs) we get get a lot of flack for not liking this game. Uh, And this is Cosmic Encounter. Yeah. We played Cosmic Encounter, a game we own that we've never played our copy of. We always get into Daniel's copy, which is like the souped up five expansions copy of this with all the advanced rules, which don't seem to make that much difference. But it just makes picking out the alien you're going to use take a lot longer because those are a lot wordier. Um, This is our third game with them. And I got to say... A lot more fun than the first two. Yeah, I think this is the first time I actually enjoyed the game. So just for a history sake, the first game I played a Cosmic Encounter, I didn't even get a turn. Right. The game was over. I got a turn, but I didn't know what I was doing. We played like eight players, and it got to the fifth player, and I was the sixth player, and the game was over. So that was so fun, you know? (laughs) Um, The next game was... uh, what was what was the deal? Jamie, that was Jamie wanted Daniel to Jamie, lose, it and was all Daniel's she would, birthday, and, yeah. and Jamie wanted Daniel to lose. So right. her and that other girl decided to team up against Daniel, and they allowed me to win so that Daniel would lose. Right, which kind of makes it a hollow victory. Right. So even though I've won a game of Cosmic Encounter, I really just didn't, didn't. really deserve it. Right. But I did get a turn, and I didn't like the game that time. Right. Because of that. This time, we actually played a real, a real game of this, and nobody conspired against anybody else. And the closest to conspiring was the game did end with Matt initiating what would have been a three-way win for him and, and Jamie and somebody else. 
Frank, I think. Frank. And then by the end of card play, Matt was the sole winner. Right. Isn't that weird? It was really weird. Right. He so was having a good day. I But I actually enjoyed the chaotic play, and I, I really kind of got the flow of the game a little bit better this time, and I actually got a turn, and I could see everybody playing to the spirit of the game, and I, right. I it was a lot better when it was like that. Well, and I think I actually understood my alien power this time as opposed to every other time I... Or every other... All the other, t- all the other characters. I'm like, I don't know what you're supposed right. to be doing with your guy, right? That, that's, some of the some of the characters are really complex. Yeah, you're not going to most of the time. You're not going to look across the table and know exactly what somebody else other's character does because there's five expansions in here. Right. He's got like a hundred alien races or something like that in his in his deck. Yeah, which is bonkers. Mine was not. It was it was cool. I had right. the tourists. So, like, every turn, I could go to, like, some other planet and just, like, drop off guys. Right. If You had a they, tour ship that was going around. Right, but it, it had to be, like, they their planets were chosen or something, or and right. then I could just unload onto any of their little planets. Right. So, it was it was not always going to happen every, tor- every turn. Oh, my But goodness. I at least understood it. It was cool. I'm just going to say something, just to, just to kind of put, break this up for a second. Celestial seasonings, Bengal spice is my jam. <laughs> that is so good. It's like I, a, it's a tea. I still have coffee up my nose because you made me laugh so hard. So good, so good. Um, and, and it's now cold, so that's don't make me laugh. Okay, seriously, I'm not. So I, I mean, honestly, I can actually at least say that I don't want to get rid of my copy of this at this not point. Yet. <laughs> uh, I mean, I because I, I kind of put it in that category of I might just get rid of this. And now I'm kind of like, I probably would keep this. It's not bad. It yeah. plays pretty light. It's a little hard for people to understand the whole idea that you're... I'm really curious, since we don't have any expansions whatsoever, <laughs> I'd be curious to play our version of it, because I don't know which parts I would rather play our version of it. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, yeah. Uh, but it, just so you guys know, the game plays like every every turn, someone is is going to attack someone else. And the card there's a deck of cards that decides what color of other player they're going to attack. They then have to decide which planet. Everybody has four planets. They get to decide which of those four planets they want to try to attack, and they then can assign up to four ships to attack that planet. Other people at the table can be asked for help. Right. Uh, because if they successfully land a ship on the planet, then they have gained a point. Right. And the other players that help them attack that planet can gain a point as well. What? I'm just looking at the little... Attachment to your iPad. It looks like it's not plugged in. Is it plugged in? It's working. What are you talking about? Well, I know, but it's so shiny. You're crazy. Anyway, the uh, sorry, I got so squirrel. <laughs> so if you get if you get to like five points, I think the game's over. So everybody helps yeah. everybody until they get to four points. You know, everybody's like right, and the then everybody's game. like, oh, and then all oh, of a no. sudden it becomes this weird card match because you've got this hand of cards that you use to support attacking planets and defending planets, and everybody can ask everybody for help. You know. If you if you uh, defend a planet, uh, what do you get for that? It's like you get cards. You get a don't card, you? I think. Yeah, you get extra cards in your hand. If you attack a planet, you get to land a ship on the planet. If you win that, that and it's just right. like a numerical card game. It's like you're playing war out of your hand, like face up Kinda, war. Yeah, you know, and uh, you kind of go around the table just negotiating who's going to be in the combat, who isn't. You're going to invite people, not invite other people because they're too high in points and. Eventually, it's just going to degrade to, like, cards being thrown all over the place, trying to stop each other from doing things that they want to do and trying to get the fifth point and being the sole person. Right. So it's 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 pretty unique. 
It's, it's, it's definitely unique. Game. Yeah, I don't know of any game that's similar. Right. I can't think of anything. But pretty cool. A lot better uh, this time. Right. Next up, we played Beyond Baker Street. This is a Hanabi knockoff. We played it one time. Uh, this is a Sherlock oh, yeah. Holmes Hanabi knockoff, and uh, it's... I can't remember much about it except it was it was fun and it was frustrating at the same time because we we kind of weren't understanding the rules or or I think Matt specifically wasn't quite getting how he was supposed to play something. Oh, I don't think I was either. Right. I don't think we No, there was something though where it was like cuz it was the last game that we played and I think we were all getting kind of tired, but there right. was like a cuz you're supposed to be like, okay, so you've got a 2 right here or whatever. And it's like, why would I tell you that if you're not supposed to play it? Or if right. you're not supposed to not play it? I'm, I'm very specifically telling you about this card. Right. And based on what I'm telling you, you should know whether you should play it or not. Right. And then it was either him or Brianna. I can't remember which. Because you're trying to get to a certain number. the wrong card. And it's like, dude, right there. We said it. It's it. it, was it. Right, because in this game you have you have specific numbers, so you're not playing something in order. You're not playing like in Hanabi. You're playing. I have to play these all these color fireworks one through five in order to win the game. Right. This, this is one, not like that. This no. one you're playing specific cards to reach a target number, so that you can conclude like a certain investigation aspects about the murder case that you're investigating. Right, but you can't like go over that number, which right. it's. <laughs> And it's so you have to do all those like three of those have to be done and you have to have had discarded at least this many cards or something like that at the end of the game. Yeah. So it's it's a it's considerably more complex than Hanabi, but it is definitely that take Hanabi from like that, you know, easy game that that, you know, you, you almost perfect score almost every time once you know Hanabi speak. And become become a new game again. Right. Um, I haven't had a chance to play it enough to make a real decision about it. I think it's pretty good. It's but okay. I need, I need to play it more. I think it's a little confusing to explain, too. Right. I need to play it more. Uh, pretty good so far, but well, I'm not going to give it a number. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know enough yet. Seemed okay. Um, and here, we're going to go right from one that I had a hard time remembering a lot about to another game I have a hard time remembering a lot about. Well, then why talk about it? I think we're just going to step over London Dread. Just know we played it like three times, and I can't remember how to play it at all. Yeah. Something weird. That's, was, a, that's a weird game. It was weird. It was I like know. I had to plan. Oh, yeah, you had the little clock thing. Yeah, you have and the tokens. Thing. That's all I remember. Yeah, so I had to say, I, at this time, I'm going to be here at this spot. So I'm going to be at number one. And then at this time, I'm going to be over at number four because I've got the magic card that's going to defeat that guy or, or, you know, cause they'll have like symbols where you have to have this card symbols in your hand or whatever to be able to defeat them or something like that. I just that. remember we went through several chapters and when we got to like the last bit of the game, there were like three phases. And when we got to the third phase, it was like absolutely hopeless. And that was the best we ever did. <laughs> yeah. It's just a, it's a very planning kind of game. You you it's basically yeah, you cooperatively plan how your entire round is going to go and then as you go through you find out hey, they didn't pay any attention to anything I just said. So now we're not going to defeat this guy because I can't take out this guy and you can't take out the next guy until you take out this guy and we've already lost on, you know, by by noon. Right. So there's no point in even going on. It was one of those kind of things. If you screw up, you know it early and there's no point. Right. Which is kind of 
cool and not cool at the same time. It's like you want to try again to see if you can do it better and not screw up. Right. There's there's like a few stories in the box. There's like three, I think, in the box, three or four. And we played one of them and we played it three times and we lost every single time. But we would lose so early half the time. We'd just be like, oh, well, you know. But the thing with this one is like the way that you put the cards out on the board, it's going to be different every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like I almost want to compare it to like like time stories where you've got a certain thing. You have to do things in a certain way to get to the next level, to get to the next place. Right. Only with this one, it's not exactly the same every time. Right. And it's not a roll of the dice. Right. It's it's your it's it's not luck. It's it's actual planning. Right. So it's like way better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's all right. I need to play it again. I don't remember much about it. Yeah, but it doesn't. It, I remember that we didn't play it for like a week, and we went back to it. Right. And it was a really quick uh, refresh too. And I think if we got it back out now, it'd be a pretty quick refresh Says again. You. No, I remember. I have got a horrible memory. No, we know this about me. It's awful. And I remember enough about that game that we would get it out, and I'd be like, "Oh yeah, okay, this is what I was forgetting." Done. I don't know. You totally would remember. Someone put pushed my mind eraser button on this game. Well. We had a lot going on over the I just summer. I we played it. All yeah. right. Another game we played. Let's get to one I do remember. Santorini. Santorini. I don't practice one? it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ridiculous. That's a terrible joke. That was a, that was a sublime joke. That wasn't. <laughs> Anyways, Santorini is a, an abstract game played on a grid. Uh, this grid is like set on like an island kind of pedestal. It looks like a rock kind of cliff pedestal. Right. Um, because the town is supposed to be like that. Right. And you have this grid, and I don't know what how many squares by how many squares it is, but it is a square. And uh, you place building pieces down using your little, you've got two little avatars you move around. And every turn you can move those avatars and or move one of those avatars and place a piece. Right. And you build buildings up. And the whole idea of the game is to have your avatar on like the third floor, on top of the third floor of a building. Right. But if uh, somebody else places a cap on top of that building, you can't go there. Right. And so you've got plenty of like little cards that give you special powers like, oh, this guy gets to move up two spaces instead of only one space. And this person gets to place two building pieces down per turn. Or this person can move all the way across the board in one direction instead of only one space or two spaces or whatever it is, you know. Yeah. And so there's all these variants and stuff like that to the game. That that is pretty simple. Just like a little, just move a guy and block the other people out from blocking you, and trying to like just get your guy to the third floor without the other person stopping you. Right. And it's uh, it's, it's a pretty solid, good little yeah, game. It's a really good little game. Um, the game itself, just just the strategy part of it, is definitely in that sort of classic checkers kind of variation. You know feeling where you're doing a real simple move in place kind of thing, a real simple base mechanic. And then they just throw this extra layer on top of it that really kind of makes it pop. And then what makes it pop even more is when, when you play the game, you start with this barren plane of, of little square raised squares, you know, that kind of accept these building pieces in a semi-locked kind of way. You know, you just place them on there and they don't move around. (laughs) They're not just sitting on a flat plane. They kind of place on a little 
raised portion so they don't slide around the board. If you bump they the can. table, they wouldn't slide. Yes, they would. Would they? Yes, it's just a flat piece of cardboard, and then you put the base on there. But then the second time, the second level will lock on to the, the bottom right. one. But they don't, they're not, it's just a flat piece of cardboard with okay. lines. I've misremembered this. I, apparently. I this was is, like, what? I so don't remember this. The thing is, though, is you start with this flat plane, and by the end of the game, you've built a city. Right. you got this whole little cute town. And this this game has that ability where if you're not paying attention, you can lose the game so early, it's ridiculous. Because like, oh, yeah. you'll forget that their power is this, and you'll make a move that doesn't block that ability, and someone will win on like the third turn. Because you'll be like, oh, Which I, I forgot that you can fly, you know? <laughs> I couldn't fly. <clears throat> no, but there's, there was moments like that in the game. So uh, it is it is very fast. It plays in probably about 15 minutes is the maximum game. And I would say most of them go somewhere around 10. Yeah. And uh, you can just keep, you can set it up, you know, play it like three or four times in a row is probably what you would ideally do in a single setting. But a really cool game. As far as abstracts go, I don't think that most abstracts even scratch, you know, the surface of how cool this and how fun this game well, is. Well, because it's, it's, it's an abstract that it's like playing with toys as well, right. which is very cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just... It's a good game. I like yeah, it. Totally worth it, too. We got it for $20. Yeah, it was, they were doing like <laughs> a sale at Target. We made them price match their website. Yeah, because their website said twenty, and the store said thirty, which is ridiculous. Right, but thirty bucks, I'd say, I'd say, is still worth it for this game. The, the components are really, really nice in this right. game. Right. So, yeah, super cool game. Hey, speaking of which, Santorini. did you talk to your parents yet? Because they're supposed to have gone there. Like they went to the actual. I haven't town. talked to them. Okay. I want to hear they about these things. Back. Listeners want to know. They have not talked to me. Okay, so the next thing we played is Code Names Deep Undercover. And we've talked about code names before. It's a it's a word guessing game. Two people play secret agents, and they uh, what? What? Code names deep undercover. Right. What's ooh? Okay. So I'm reading your notes, just and they stop. don't. Make, I'm stopping. Those notes are for me. Obviously. <laughs> Um, so oh, oh, this is oh, a oh. word, word guessing game. You have a grid of words that you put down and two people play secret agents and they're trying to get you to guess certain spaces that are represented by words. And they give you clues that can relate to multiple words, usually in this grid in order to win. Uh, the deep undercover part is the naughty version, right? So it's, it's kind of naughty though, isn't it? Kind of. They, it's not. And instead of like, I mean, when you think deep undercover, the adult version of this, you'd think you got an entire deck of nothing but naughty. That is not true. No. You know, there's there's some innuendo words. There's some, you know, double meaning words. But there's a lot of just like, I, I don't even know what, like, why is camel one of the words in here? You know? Well. <laughs> but they don't even do anything else. It's just camel, <laughs> you know? Right. And it's just, it's, I mean, there's just, some are naughty and some That would make sense why it would be in here. But one thing we, we did have fun with, we noticed because of the sprinkling of naughty words, it was fun sort of like coming together with these sort of Mad lib sentences of words, you know, or like combinations of words that were in the grid, you know, like grandma's camel tea. <laughs> I'm only saying that because Moving. I'm drinking Bengal spice tea. Delicious. 
<laughs> we are not sponsored by Celestial Teas. This segment's brought to you by Celestial Seasonings. Except they're not. It's not. Dang it. But they are in <laughs> Boulder, Colorado, because we went to their... their Go uh, to the Celestial Teas tour. It's a free tour. It was awesome. <laughs> They'll let you go in the peppermint room, which is amazing. Like, your eyes will water, but it's cool. It's delightful. It's super fun. Um, so if you're wanting to throw a little bit of arcade, or uh, not, not that, a uh, little bit of adult <laughs> <laughs> adult uh, theme into your Codenames game, then you can add this. I don't think it really changes the game that much. No. You know? Uh, next up, we, we still got some to go. <laughs> Arcadia Quest. Uh, we played that. Finally. What? Nothing. Arcadia Quest. We finally played that. Stop reading ahead in the notes. (laughs) Because you've misspelled things? I don't care. Okay. Uh, Arcadia Quest, we played a four-player game with Matt and Brianna. Um, I've had this for a while. You bought me the original Arcadia Quest, and then I got Beyond the Grave, like, the next Christmas after that. Then I got my Arcadia Quest Inferno Kickstarter pledge at the end of last year, and we played it in, like, July. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) Now, I have, like, 70-something guys to use in this game. Like different heroes, and you have to make a team of three heroes. And you play these arcade kind of arenas where you're running around, you're fighting monsters, you're also fighting other players, and you're trying to get money and for nothing and, and chicks for free and points to, oh. to buy loot so you're more prepared than the other people when you start the next round so that you can gain money and loot. Now, this does mean that there would probably be somewhat of a runaway leader and stuff like that in the you. game, but it does balance out fairly well because you do get like a lot of bonus coins. And I noticed that our coins weren't too much different. And there's a really fun round at the end of every round of running around in this gridded map that you make up of these interchangeable tile tiles. That you would like get these cards, you'd draft treasure cards into your hand at the end of it, and you'd get this whole new, you know, stack of stuff that you wanted to put on your guys. And it makes you want to go back into the game and play in the next level again so you can try out all your new stuff again. Right. And it's, it's pretty fun. I mean, and another thing is, is when you, when you attack each other, let's say Nicole kills one of my guys. Yeah, I'm bummed out about it, and I do have to move back to like some sort of start point. But honestly, it's like it didn't. It doesn't really affect you that much. Yeah, that in that game, Matt kept dying like over and over. His guy kept getting killed. Right. Yeah, and yet somehow by the end of the the game, yeah. he won. He won the whole thing. <laughs> I know, but he kept dying. Sure, but yet he won. Right? What? It's okay. <laughs> This game uh, plays until a certain number of quests that a couple of them are des- are specific to the mission you're on. And then there's a couple like just the other ones are always just like kill one of the other player. And, right. you know, there's there's some other simple stuff that that's that's mixed in there. And uh, it's just kind of a frantic run around, kill each other, try to grab as many quests as you can before the other person stops you kind of game. And it works really well. If you're surprised. willing to be mean to each other. But you have, but that's part of the game. And I know, like but I said, sometimes people don't like that. Like I said, though, receiving this meanness is not that bad. It's There's no like really real long-term repercussions. But, you know, you are kind of like, oh, great. I'm never going to get in this room to get this thing I need because Nicole keeps killing me right when I get to the front door of it. You right. Know? But that's just part of the game. And if, if you don't like it, kill Nicole. Hey. What? <laughs> Arcadia Quest uh, does feature these little chibi miniatures of heroes, and they've got a huge variety. If you did the Kickstarter, it's insane. 
It really is. It's like 72 guys. What if you didn't do the Kickstarter? Uh, Like if you bought it now? You get, if you buy the box, you only get one set per player, but you can, it's, it's sort of a mix. So you can mix them up however you want into different teams, but you get, you get one three person team per player. So you get 12 guys per box, but I have two starter sets and and an expansion plus a Kickstarter. Plus I have Masmora, which also features guys that can be used in the other game. So do you think that it would be worth it just to have the base set? I think it'd Since be it's fun. it's too late to I think do it would the be Kickstarter? Pretty fun. I think so, too. I think the game is just a hoot. Yeah, it's a, it's a good time. Uh, it's uh, Like I said, the loot's all in there still. There's not much loot that you got from the Kickstarter. It's mostly just new characters. Yeah. Uh, and so you can kind of mix and match those characters up pretty well in that base box and, and have a good time getting loot. And your guys will turn out pretty close the same doesn't this one don't you have to play four player though uh you don't you can play two and three but it's it's probably ideal with four but you can't go over four even if you have extra base sets you can't go over four just doesn't balance out okay uh but that's arcadia quest and i really liked it slash like i really liked it like i want to play it again the answer is no oh okay next i we played uh hanamakoji uh we played this in a hotel room Mm -hmm. i know after you beat me at mini golf. We weren't even wearing lingerie. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Hanamakoji is a card game, a small card game. Uh, you put eight little geishas out in the middle, and they're all color-coded and symbol-coded. And you try to uh, play cards that would be that match their color and try to woo them to your to you, I guess. I don't even know. You're just trying to attract them to work for you or something. To work for you. I think that's what it says. But anyways, uh, so you play these color-coded numerical cards down in front of you. One is for you. Uh, you do it in a way that's like, uh, one way you do it is you can just play one down in front of you, and that becomes one of your cards. That becomes, that one goes face down because you have a hand of cards, and these cards are going to run out. Uh, you have one where you put two pairs of cards down uh, face up, and the opponent picks one of the pairs to place in front of Geisha's, and you get the other pair. You have one where you uh, put down three cards in front of you. They pick one, and you get the other two to place in front of the geishas. And then you have to discard uh, two, I believe. No, discard one. Right. Okay. And then you'll run out of cards. And and everybody equally runs out. Then you'll reveal the face-down card and put it on the, the one that you you picked. And all then you go through a phase where you just kind of look at how much numbers are, are on each side of each geisha facing you and whoever has the highest number gets that geisha and if you i think it was like if you collected well the geishas themselves are worth points so there's one that's worth like five points one that's four um like two that are three and then like three that are two Mm -hmm. or something like that so if you've won the favor of enough uh, of the geishas with enough points to equal 11 then you win right and if you ever collect like a fourth geisha you win automatically right um this is uh it's not a bad game. We played it three times in a row and and you beat me twice, so you did take the title on that. <laughs> <laughs> um it's got the unique card play that that happens between the like when you're playing the round is fun. However, uh when you go to like sort of a stalemate situation as we did in game 2, it kind of you, you kind of start seeing the 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 sort of fragile balance of the game becoming like just sort of a well eventually I'm get, one of us is just going to get lucky. 
Right. And it starts kind of breaking down. So you, the game is really depending on a resolution yeah. by the end of the second turn or well, else if you the can, game is just transparently a luck thing. Yeah. If you can if you can play it well enough to win like first round, that's ideal. I think it's all it'll almost be more fun at after the second round the game is just considered a draw and you don't even bother with a third round. Yeah. Because it just didn't, after that, it literally seemed like we were just going to die and whoever rolled a six is the person who won. That's true. That's how it felt. I Um, still enjoyed the game, though. Right. I mean, it's a fun little, you know, hey, we've got 15 minutes before we have to leave. You want to play this real quick? Sure. Right. You could teach this and play this in in under two minutes. Right. And be playing it. Right. So it's, it's... it's a solid little backpack game for sure. I will say the cards are a little bit uh, under quality yeah. for my preference. Sure. And I would highly recommend sleeving these cards, hmm. well, but they're awkward size too. So I don't even know. Well, there's not very many. There's like 20 cards in the box. Right. And you have to shuffle them repeatedly, right. which has an effect on the cards and, right. and they're not that great of quality in my opinion. The, the art is amazing and they look beautiful. Right. But that quality is questionable. Okay. Well, I'd say Hanamakoji is a three out of five. Decent backpack game. Not too bad. Codenames Duet, Nicole. We played this. We did. This is another codename. Second one on this list. This one doesn't have any naughty words in it. No. Uh, not unless you is, really want to think about them. But it's the cooperative version of Codenames. Uh, now, what got me to buy this was they said there were missions where you try to complete missions together. We never completed the first mission. We played three times and lost the first mission every time. And this game, I'm going to tell you, will instigate arguments. (laughs) Yeah. Because you're playing cooperative. Like, normally when you're playing uh, code names, you you just can't guess the thing right. And you're playing in a big group, so it sort of dispels that whole argue about whether the clue was ridiculous or not. But this one does not. This one's very focused, just the two of you playing it. And you're trying to, you're going back and forth giving clues because you have some cards, like you both have a map, because they have double-sided maps in this that tell which spaces need to be guessed, and all the spaces that need to be guessed have to be flipped you know, or have to be marked by the end of the, of the uh, round and by the end of a certain number of rounds because they're timed, or else you lose the game. Right. And so you're. I mean, it's it's pretty stressful. Some the of the biggest some of the, clues. the biggest challenge on this one, I think, is that on my side of the map. There are certain spots where if you, they're like spies. There's like three spy spots or whatever. And if you hit those, you lose automatically. There's a, there's, there's assassin spaces. Assassins, sorry, not spies, whatever. So if you hit one of the assassin spaces, you automatically lose. Right. Well, on your partner's side of the map, there's also three assassin spaces, but they're not the same spaces. But mentally, that's a really hard concept to grasp when you're trying to get people to guess words because you want to match up like there'll be, you know, like roses and bushes and outdoors and garden or whatever. The clues that you want people to guess, but then you also have lawn clippings or not lawn clippings. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. <laughs> lawn or darts or I don't right. know. And and then you don't want them to guess those. So you're you're trying to... Think about what you need to say to make them guess the words, but you're also seeing these ones that you absolutely don't want people to guess. And it's like, but on the other person's side, they may be the ones that you want to guess. So, right. But you're seeing that on your side, it's an assassin. Right. So even though you want to say Rose, 
it's an assassin on your side. So you never say Rose because it's an assassin. Well, it's not on my side. It's, it's the word I need you to say. Right. So Does that makes sense. Yeah. Am I saying so, this? Right? So what she's saying is in the, in the original game, there's one assassin space in this. There's like more than one per person and they're not the same spaces. And sometimes in the spaces she needs me to guess are not the exact same as the ones I have to just like my assassin spaces aren't the exact same. Right. So sometimes a car, a, an assassin space on my side will be a space she needs me to guess. So I'm looking at the assassin and she's wanting me to guess the assassin space, but I'm going, it might but not psychologically, be psychologically, you just don't want to guess right. that one. Right. You just don't. Because they're not the same map. They're different maps. There's some that go that overlap each other. Some spaces do, but there's a lot that don't. And you can remind yourself of this over and over again. And you'll still avoid the and assassin you'll still space. Just, uh, yeah. So that so, made it rough. It's a tense game. It's tense and and you end up kind of frustrated with each other and that's what I'm saying cuz you you're you end up picking <laughs> you an a assassin lot more frustrated space and you're me. like you said this this is the word on the assassin and it means the exact same thing as you said and you just get mad at each other, you know? And they're like <laughs> I didn't think you would think of it like that. Most reasonable people would do this and you'd be like I'm not reasonable. No. <laughs> Wow, you really got angry. I no, did not I realize. Did, I did not. The uh, but that's Codenames <laughs> duet. It is a twist on the whole thing. I actually think it's pretty cool. I think it's worth getting. Oh yeah, uh, I want to play it again. Just brace yourself for arguing. It's going to be worth it. Uh, <laughs> next thing we did is another return to a game that we played uh, on this podcast. I think it was episode three or four. I can't remember. I think it was three. I think this you're is right. uh, Witch of Salem. And this is an old co-op game. I don't even think it's available anymore, so it's not really worth talking about. But I just want to revisit it for the podcast's sake. Because uh, we played this game, and we played it with Matt and Brianna, and we played it three times in a row that night. And, and you only heard one of the recordings. But we played it three times in a row and lost every single time, like absolutely. Right. And you and I got this game back out because I said I blew the dust off, and I was like, we have not played this game in too long. We got it out and we played it twice and we beat it on the second time. We did. Now off off recording on the first time, we you and I played it like three more times and lost every single time at that point. And now we're just so much better gamers. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, we actually finally beat it. And I and I felt there was a different a definite change in how it felt when you're winning and when you're doing okay. And I think maybe we just finally it finally clicked with us because it seemed like it was doable even the first game. And we, we kind of lost just off of some bad card draws. And the second game was just like, oh, yeah, we got this. Yeah. It felt like that the whole time. Right. Uh, this game has you. It's it's called Witch of Salem. And there's, this is not a female witch. It's, it's ridiculous. a warlock. It's a warlock. And it's about Cthulhu. It has nothing to do with witchcraft with or the devil. And uh, this is uh, or even really, it's, you're in the town of Salem, but it doesn't even matter. Uh, but you shouldn't be because it's Cthulhu. No, you're, you're in. You're in. Uh, you even go to Miscatonic University. Right. It makes no sense. It's the dumbest thing in the world. But the you, theming uh, is just like what? Come on. Right. It's like who who made all these mistakes on one board and who let them? Right. But there's like there are some elder gods like there are in H.P. Lovecraft mythos that have nothing to do with Salem. Right. And uh, you're trying to figure out which one is which, the one. Which to, is which? No, that's you know, which not Which one at is all. the one trying to take over the world at this moment? And you have to discover all of them by collecting chips around the board and taking damage and, you know, managing that damage to your mind. And then you end up going, one of you goes out into the portal to lock that 
Elder God down while the other one closes the portal, trapping you forever in there and winning the game. But the monsters don't even make sense. Like, one of them's a lava worm. Heck yeah. Lava worms? Is there a lava worm anywhere in of Cthulhu? Course. Well, I mean, no, there's, they're in Hawaii. <laughs> no, wow. there's no lava worms. Right. But it's just... It, it's, yeah, it's so just, nonsensical. But if you happen to see a used copy for really cheap, it, yeah. it's kind of... It's a three out of five. It's one of those that you keep losing and keep wanting to try again. Right. It's a three out but of five. But now that we've won, do you feel like trying it again? Not for not right now. <laughs> Maybe but, next year. But if you asked me if I wanted to play this or ghost stories, I'd say this. Yeah, me too. And that's and and I think it's uh it it has that ghost stories feel to it to me, but it gets rid of those stupid dice and all the awfulness. Okay. Of ghost stories. Okay. Last one we're going to talk about before we move on. Can you believe it? I can't believe uh, we it. We played a game that you bought called Shiba Inu House. Is that Shiba, what it is? Shiba Inu house. The only reason we got this is because we have a Shiba Inu. That's what Pepper, Pepper. is. Where and is she? The, uh, so the Shiba Inu, just so you have reference, I don't know. People probably don't know what it is. but or It's a 20-pound little Japanese dog that resembles a husky that's sort of... It looks you know, like got, a little fox and a yeah, husky. It's got white and red coat traits. like Well, ours, because our, she's a sesame color. Right. Um, they Which can also a little black. Yeah, there's like black and tan ones that... Um, and then there's like little red and cream. So this game is covered with uh, cartoon Shebas. And I mean, one of the things I noted when we picked the box up in the store was that if you have a dog with a curly uptail, you know, you're just looking at their little butt all the time. <laughs> it's just it's just like right there in your face all the time. Well, not and, that's, in your face. and it's got these things. These guys did not miss putting the little butthole on the dog. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, but uh, it's funny. That's kind of where the theme of this ends. Uh, the game involves images of Shebas on dog houses that are revealed every turn. And you have a hand of double-sided little cards that have Shebas in different states. They're in a different perspective, like they're zoomed in from what the picture is that you flip over on the other card. Because the other card shows you a little diorama or whatever of three different cards put together. Not a diorama. It's a little, well, just a little picture. Yeah. So there's, and it takes three cards to make this little picture, right? Right. So and like so, you'll have the little Sheba on the roof. So you have to find the card that matches the Sheba on the roof. Right. And then the left side of the doghouse. The one house, with the violin. Well, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then the left side of the doghouse will have like stripes. And so you have to find the card that matches the stripes going the right way. And then right. the right side of the doghouse will have like orange dots. So then you have to find the card that has the orange dots. Right. And when you put them all together, it looks the same as the other picture. And it's a speed test. Who can do this right. faster? And then you collect the points card. When you do that. Right. That's that's all there is to this. And you do that through three different rounds and they become tougher as you go because they make you build more than one doghouse. Right. Like it's one in the first phase, two in the second phase and three in the third phase. And so you're really scrambling with your cards. And by the time you hit third phase, some cards will have the thing you need on the other side of the card, you know, because these might be represented more than once. I think most of them are. Like the vertical blue stripes on the side of the house is represented on more than one card. Right. But if you use the one that has mm -hmm. on the other side of the card, it has the orange right. dots that you needed. You may have to find different blue right. stripes to use because you need these orange dots. So it becomes a little more frantic. Right. Um, I don't know what you paid for it. It was cheap. Oh, it was cheap. It was like, I think it was $15 or something. Was yeah. Which is still, that's a little, I probably shouldn't have paid more than 10 
Friday. But I bought it at the local game store, and I always like to get something when we go there. It does say one to five on the box, so there might be a cool solo game in there. Well, that's no, full the of solo adventure. game is just trying to uh, <laughs> see how fast you can do it as like a right, time yourself. Play. I think that it would be a lot better with more players. I, I think really do. This game uh, really fits in to a child's market. Well. Uh, yeah. It says on the side of the box six plus, and I think that's appropriate. I think that you probably want to play this with someone who's below 14 years of age. Or you want to play it as a drinking game. One or the other. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Mm. You Bingle and your spice. tea. Okay. So cinnamony. Uh, but enough of that. But it's, the art's cute. Right. It's okay. Little Shiba I mean, puppy. If you got if you got children and you want a game with a Shiba Inu in it and and then this is your choice. And actual depictions of their butthole. <laughs> it's just a dot. <laughs> I know, but it's still there. They have them like bending over and looking back at you and there's their butthole looking <laughs> That's at what Pep you. does all the time to us though. I know. It's pretty know. accurate. Okay. Let's let's just enough about these board games. Let's talk about Something else I got recently, and this is, I'm going to play Cardboard of Tomorrow, but this has nothing to do with Cardboard. <laughs> Steady your senses, listeners, as the clocks begin to spin forward, leaving your board game room behind and getting a glimpse into the Cardboard, the cardboard of, of tomorrow. tomorrow. I don't even care that we're not talking about Cardboard right now. We're, we're talking about the fact that I got a PlayStation VR. Right. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Nicole? Nauseous. Really? No. <laughs> now, the only, reason, the only reason we got this is because we went to someone's house and they had that HTC Vive and they had it set up in a, in a big room in their basement and like a lot of space for you to kind of move around. And you guys started playing some card game that lasted way too long. And so I just kept getting my turn over and over and over again until I had played for about two and a half hours. Yeah. And you didn't even get sick. Weirdest thing. Yeah. Because on my PlayStation, I get sick all the time. <laughs> yes. 20 minutes in. <laughs> about about 30 minutes to one hour is, is about what I can do before I have to take a break. Right. And it's just there's a, like a nausea that comes up, like a motion sickness that kind of starts to come up. And I just have to take the headset off and, and do like a timeout for like 30 minutes. Yeah. And then I'm good to go again for another hour or so. Yeah. Well, why did we end up with the PlayStation versus the Vive since we tried the Vive and we liked the well, Vive? And it was like, oh, my gosh, it was I mean, it was like an incredible experience. Yeah. Like I put the thing on, I got to try it. And just the the main room that you're in where you get to pick what you're going to play. Right. I sat there for like 10 minutes just looking around, watching the birds fly overhead and looking out the door because there were mountains off to the side. Now, meanwhile, Dan and I just stood over to the side and watched you on the monitor and watched what you were looking at and heard we're listening to your commentary and we were just laughing. Right. Because <laughs> I'm easily amused. But that's that's the thing is that it that, was incredible the the level of immersion you get out of this is unlike anything else that video games give you to this point you know up to this point where you go into that vr kind of thing it's just when you step in there and the world wraps all the way around you and as you try to look past that line look past the edge of the tv and it just keeps the world just keeps going all the way around you and you've got that atmospheric audio that that that's kind of being realized in sort of a three dimensional way in the headphones, is is just it's stunning. It is. It's it's 
It, it's an experience. Right. It's a level of immersion that you've never seen. You're just, you're there. You feel like you're there. And he, of course, has a couple of ones that he likes to throw right in your face with the Vive. He puts you on a cliff face. So you're look, like standing like, you know, on a two foot little ledge and looking down off a cliff with a rock wall on the other side of you. Nowhere to go, you know? Right. And that one, you can't really move around. You can just look around. But it's, it's still pretty. Yeah. But you get that wind. And you get the wind. You can hear some animal noises. Then you, you're looking down off of this cliff face, and it's giving you that real perspective and that real 3D. And this 3D is considerably more deep feeling than anything you got in, like, the theater. Oh, like when yeah. When you would go to the theater and, and put on those little 3D glasses, and they, you're kind they of seeing throw stuff a kind of come at your out. Face it's or, just like, okay. Yeah. This is Tire way flies off the car, that. boom, into your face. Nah. Right. This is way beyond that. Oh, yeah. It's so much more in your face. Well, so, then, he, then he has you like jump off a building. Right. And that was pretty incredible. So, like, you almost fall down. Well, he has you, yeah, he has you do a base jump off a building, and then he has like a Spider-Man game where you can kind of like sling I did webs. not do the Spider-Man it one. Was, it was disorienting, to right. say Right, yeah, and, that didn't And sound his good. is set up, like the Vive is set up so that it has a, a room sensor in the corner, each in two of the corners, like opposite from each other of the room, and they sort of just, you know, blast you with, with little sensing dots, you know, little infrared dots. With radioactivity. Right. No. Well, I mean, it's what they do. They blast you with these little dots, and they, they can sense how you're moving around, and it tracks you like that. Uh, he told us that the Vive was like somewhere around seven or $800. Right. And then we found out that a computer, which we don't have a PC, we have Macs, and if you were to buy a computer to run the Vive, it was going to cost you over $1,000, somewhere around right. 1200 So we're talking a couple grand investment. And and we, so we're like, we're like, well... Nice seeing you, Vive. I'm not going to even touch you. But right. then we do have a PlayStation 4. Which, we, yeah, we already have that. And the PlayStation 4, for a bundle kit that comes with two move controllers, the headset, a game, and the camera that tracks you, it's $400. Right. So I was just like, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. Why not? It, yeah. was, it was really super cool. Now, the PlayStation tracks you with LEDs, like glowing LEDs that are on the headset. So you do look like a, a, a weird spaceman when you put this headset on. Well, that's all of them. The headset's pretty comfortable. It lays against sort of like the top front of your head. The headset is considerably more comfortable than the Vive was. Right. In the my Vive opinion. is like three straps that you just sort of strap around your head and it just pulls the thing into your face. The PlayStation 1 has a single like band that goes around your head, but it curves way up on the front of your of your skull and sort of rests against the top front of your skull. Like the top of your forehead. And that, that relieves a lot of pressure. It doesn't press into your face. It just no. sort of rests on that big cup, that big forehead cup, and it really makes it so it's not so bad. You can wear this over an hour and not be uncomfortable. Yeah, no, I never easily. get uncomfortable. Um the, like I said, I didn't notice any motion sickness while I was playing the V, but then again, when I looked back at the games I was playing on it versus what I'm playing on the PlayStation, I was playing like turret type games where I was mounted to a spot and I was just looking around. I wasn't really moving much. Yeah, but I did that flying one too. Like right. he's got one where oh, you, yeah, yeah, you've got a jet that. pack on yeah. and you can fly around, you know, well, it's kind of inside of a bubble. It doesn't let you go very far. Right. But, uh, but you're just trying to land on different things and just flying around. And I didn't feel any motion sickness off of it. And but it was animated. Do you feel it on here? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because, I mean, it's... Uh, I, I, wasn't, I was never moving around very much on that. I did uh, that super hot game. See, I didn't play that one. Oh, my God. It's good. 
I would, I would I, okay. So super hot is the best game I played for the Vive over there. That's not to say that it's the best game out there for it, but super hot is on all the platforms. It's on Oculus. It's on PlayStation four and it's on, it's on the Vive, but the, and then there's uh, some other one that nobody talks about. I don't know, but the concept of it is is that you you have like you get dropped in these little environments really quickly, and you've got your arms, you know, represented by these controllers, these moving controllers, and you're trying to destroy all the opponents in the area that you're in, and it's a very stark white area with just sort of outlines drawn everywhere, except for your opponents that are that are like very polygonal, like looking humanoids, but they're they're done in red like a red fashion. And then there's like other components in the area that are done that are also, you know, everything's very like polygonal and, and kind of, you know, geometric looking. And there's uh there are some blackened objects like colored in black. Now those are interacting objects that you can grab and throw and do stuff with. So you can grab like, there might be a pistol laying on like a black pistol laying on this white countertop in front of you. And just beyond it, is a red guy running at you, you know, with his fist up like he's going to punch you. Now, this is where the game becomes sort of unique. Time only advances when you move. Uh-huh. So if you freeze and just kind of sit there and take in the situation and don't move, the game doesn't progress. It just stops. Everything around you freezes. But when you move, the faster you move, the faster they move towards killing you. And everybody in here is like a, you know, a one hit glass jaw kind of person. So you like the guns on the counter in front of you and the red guys just beyond you, you reach forward with your hand. He rears back with a punch at the same time and you grab the gun. You shoot him. You shoot like six times or whatever on, on other people that are running at you. When you're done with that gun, you can actually throw that gun at someone in, in, in the 3D environment. And if it'll fly across the room and hit somebody else and blow them up, too. Right. And so you're just grabbing stuff and throwing stuff and shooting people. And, and you can dodge bullets because when they shoot them, it's like Matrix style. You see the bullet come at you with a tracer behind it. And you can actually lean over to the side and watch the bullet go behind, beyond you. And a couple of times I found myself leaning way over and the bullet's still right by where my head would be if I was standing up. So then I just wiggled my arm a little bit to get the bullet to go past me. And then I would stand back up. You know? <laughs> yeah. It, it's, but that one didn't make you sick. Not really because you don't move. See, I'm really curious. Like, we don't have that for the PlayStation. Right. Because you played through the majority through of it. almost the whole game in under right. an hour. And isn't it like $15 or something to... No, it's, it's like $30. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> but yeah. it was fun. It was really But it'd cool. be interesting. Like, if it goes on sale for like five bucks or something, right. it'd be worth getting. And especially to see what the dif- like how the difference is. Well, Because I do feel like there's a substantial difference between the two. That game is a showpiece game for adult men. If you put that on a man's head, like the 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 goggles on on an adult man's head, and said, "Here's super hot. This is the game." They're gonna they're gonna love it because it feels like. What an, are you saying? That women wouldn't love it? I'm, I'm saying I'm saying it's very themed towards men. I'm not making a comment about women. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's it's very much something that most men would like. It's it's it feels like you just got dropped into an action movie. And you it's feel like you like are James Bond. You're you're Neo from oh, the Matrix Neo, yeah. all of a sudden, and you're a total badass, right? And you're you're blowing people up, and you're doing these ninja like moves, and you can kind of pause the action and do these do these Neo like moves and stuff, dodging bullets. It's just that's that's a super cool game, right? But uh, that, I played that, and I mean by the by the end of that game, I was ready to get the PlayStation VR, right? But so for PlayStation VR, we've got 
I've got quite a few games because they just hit a one year anniversary and they did a bunch of games on sale on the PlayStation Store, which is cool. Uh, the game comes like my pack in came with a game called PlayStation Worlds, and it gives you a couple of things. It gives you something called the Shark Encounter or something like that. Yeah, you get you, that's like just reef like Encounter or something. That, that one you just ride down in a shark cage. The shark cage gets attacked and you come back out. And there's no real interaction with. No, the it's just like the VR experience right. kind of thing. Which um, with that one, it kind of works because one of the things about the PlayStation is it it feels like you're watching the world through a scuba mask. Right. Inside that, though, there is a really cool game called Scavenger Odyssey, which this game, woo, <laughs> it can make you sick because you do you do jump a little bit. So that that one I move around in, you strafe in, you look in, you're doing a dual stick thing, you know, one sticks moving, one sticks looking. And in that game, you have these jump points you do, and it always, for some reason, spins you like 180 degrees when you go to the jump points. It just can't just jump there for some reason. Right. Half the time, it spins you 180 degrees, and it just, like, irps you. You're just like, oh, stop spinning me when I jump, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it was fun. It's like a mech game, and it and that one... That one's a hot hot game, and that's in that PlayStation Worlds disc. That that's like I think the best game in that in that bunch. Yeah. Although there is a game called London Heist in there that gives you a little more of a VR experience. I know that you can like you're, you start the game and some guy's talking to you, and you're like in the back room of a bar, and you can there's a cigar on the table, and you could actually pick up the cigar on the table with your little VR controller. Take a lighter with the other hand in the other little VR controller, light the cigar, and if you pull it up and you and you make the sound, if you go, it'll actually b- like suck in and blow out smoke on the <laughs> on the game because the microphone on the PlayStation headset will hear you do that. That's funny, isn't that hilarious? Don't smoke. No, it's stupid. Um, so I, I also got a game. Uh, this one's pretty cool. Now this is on all of the. This is probably the, one of the coolest ones, but I haven't played it enough yet. But it's on all the platforms, and it's cross-platform too, so you can so you can play with Vive and and uh, Oculus people. It's Star Trek Bridge Crew, and you get to take on the role first person of one of the bridge people, and you could be like engineering, <laughs> the bridge helmsman, people, <laughs> helmsman. Uh, you can be tactical or the captain, and you can and and you get every, you know they give each person different information and collectively and and controls and collectively you control the the starship and you go on missions together and so you've got the big starship display in front of you up you know up in front of you in the room and you've got your little controls and your little move controllers can make your fingers pop out and you press buttons and you can you know go go at a warp and stuff and the helmsman will direct the ship and engage the warp after the engineer charges the warp drives and you know, yeah. <laughs> this person takes the shields off to fire, you know, or to do some transport action off of this other ship while a Klingon vessel flies past you. It's just pretty cool. And if you want an example of that, YouTube is full of of people like playing that game and just being ridiculous while they play it. Like captains, like yelling at people. And <laughs> so funny looking. I still haven't played that yet, but Dan has that game on his Vive and I want to play that with him. Yeah, I still do. Uh, Resident Evil 7 is what you and I have been playing, though, a lot on it right now. Yeah. Uh, in this game, I got to say, I think that the VR really lends itself to cockpit kind of games like starships and mechs and stuff like that and horror. Right. Because this gets in your face on a level that I've never seen before. Like when somebody attacks you, they'll they'll have this moment where their face is like inches from your face. Yeah. 
And they're just, it's just it's like terrifying. a maniac will be on top of you just screaming in your face. And it's, it's awful. But in the meantime, but it's awesome at the same like time. Like the anticipation of that too, right? like going down these hallways and you can hear the creaks and you can hear the whispers and it's all around you. And it's just, it's terrifying. Like there was one part, I literally, all I have to do is go down a hallway and I'm like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go down there. I can't do this. Oh my gosh. And I can't play that game when you're not home. <laughs> I can't. It freaks me out. And even if you are home, I don't play it at night. Because then when I take off the VR, it's still dark. I can't oh. do it. It's creepy. Um, Resident creepy. Evil 7 is, uh, I know you can play it. You can, you, you, I think, is the game, I think the game is still first person no matter yeah. what. Uh, so they, they did get, a, they did go away from the third person version of it for this installment of the game. And it's, uh, Ooh. Yeah, it's it's scary. Now, here's the thing about it, too, is uh, I do on this game. There's there's I can only do maybe 30, 45 minutes. I can't even do that. Like I it, the minute I find a save point, I'm done. Mine I can is get from, uh, to one save point. And sometimes that's I don't even make it to save points, but I just kind of get nauseous a lot. Yeah. In this game for some reason. I've fought through it just to get to the save point because I don't want to do it again. You know, and it's especially frustrating, like if you keep dying, because I am sucky right. at games. Um, and so, like, I'm trying to fight this one particular instance mm-hmm. and I keep dying and dying and dying. And like four times later, I'm finally get through it. And I'm like, oh, my God, save point, please, please, please. And I can't find one. So well, this, this game is stellar. It's amazing. Resident Evil 7 is a 5 out of 5. Oh, gosh, yes. It's so awesome. The only, but it's scary. The only complaint I have about it is in the VR, there's a lot of anti-aliasing problems. And what? That, that just means that if there's a straight line in the background, the farther away it gets, the more jagged it looks. So yeah. instead of just being a nice, clean line, it gets this sort of stair-step look to it. It just looks messed up, and it's... It's because they've added a VR mode to a game that wasn't, you know, originally planned to be VR because I have Farpoint for the PlayStation that's designed from ground up for it. And there's very little, you know, anti-aliasing problems. See, and I have not even tried that game. It's fun. It's, it's I've been a good playing, one too, but not, it's not Resident Evil 7. Don't even. That static game is kind of fun too. Yeah, we got a, it's a puzzle game. Yeah, basically, you hold onto the controller, and like when you get into the VR world, your hands are stuck inside a box, mm-hmm. and the box has different. Like if you you can look at the whole outside of the box and look at the environment around you and determine how to solve the puzzle to get the box to spit out a ticket. Basically, once you spit out the ticket, then it goes on to the next level. It's kind of like it kind of has like a portal kind of feel. Like there's something going on, right? <laughs> Where, yeah, there's, I feel like there's, I don't know. I mean, I haven't gotten to the end of it, but it's kind of got that creepy, why am I in this room? There's no explanation right. for why my hands are stuck in this box. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Cause yeah. you're just in this laboratory and a guy's like, in, he's going to make you do tests and you got all these controls. I mean, I don't know how you're manipulating it cause you're holding the controller and you press all the buttons on it and different weird things happen on it, but you don't get to see your hands inside the box to understand right. what you're manipulating. And then it takes you out to like some weird ethereal thing when you succeed on one and makes you do this part, you put a part put a of this puzzle together puzzle that you're putting together gradually. It's and I don't bizarre, know. bizarre, but it's really cool. I'm really enjoying that one. And that one I can play a lot longer without 
starting to feel nauseous. Right. Bottom line, though, I think that uh, our PlayStation VR is a pretty good investment. If you already have a PlayStation. And and like I said, it's just one of those things that, that, I mean, and I even, I even tried it on my phone. I even got like a headset on my phone and tried some of the iPhone games and they give you a, a certain level of immersion too. I mean, it's still like, like I said, when you're sitting there with your iPhone or your, your, your cell phone, just put onto a pair of goggles and you're experiencing this like this wrap around your head graphics kind of feel, you're just like, I can't believe that all I'm doing is having my cell phone in front of me and right. it's this wide and this big and the world's this realized that I'm in right now. That's it's nuts. I, I am so looking forward to the future of VR. Right. Um, I'm, I like what I have so far. I like what I see so far, but I just know that cause based on that, like I said, with that whole, the first time experience of trying it with the Vive, it's got a little bit more, uh, a little bit further of your periphery is covered. And for me, I think that's important for my brain right. to get properly tricked or whatever. I think the Vive shoves your face closer to the lens. Well, and I didn't that's have my glasses on. I need to try the PlayStation without my glasses on too and see if that helps. I don't know. But if you get rid of that porthole, looking through a porthole kind of feel, it it messes with your mind a little bit to the point of it feels so real. And I think right. that's just incredible because even just watching YouTube videos through the PlayStation, they have like a visit Paris and like, you'll go look at the Eiffel tower and you're sitting, you're just standing right there in the middle of Paris and looking at all the stuff around you. Right. That's incredible because I've never been to Paris, but I can see what it would look like. Right. And for real look like, right. You know, and that stuff's amazing. It's like, <clears throat> I, I can't wait to see it improve and to be, you know, a little less cumbersome on on the headgear and get go for wireless versions and a little bit clearer uh, images. Um, they do suffer from like a screen door effect, just like when you go up to remember the old school TVs when you were a kid and you'd go right up to it and you see all the little pixels. Yeah. It, it kind of has that a little bit, yeah. you know, and that's. It gets reduced. I'm certain games. That's another thing. That's another observation I have is in Farpoint. I don't feel like there's a screen door effect at all. In Resident Evil, there's a massive screen door effect because right. they didn't develop Resident Evil for VR. They developed it as an afterthought for VR. But even like with some of the videos and stuff, you know, that they're doing with the VR camera, I will I will see that a lot more right. too. Right. And lighting is huge, a huge issue on a lot of them. But uh I mean the technology's real cool. I'd like I really look forward to it. Cool. All right, Nicole. We have to get to the five top five lists. We've got several of them this month. We're just like people are going to be like, okay, when they come back, they really do it. Well, this is this is (laughs) Halloween month and uh, we need more scary stuff. So brace yourself because I'm going to use the five for five intro for our five top five lists, I think. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Let's go through it again and make sure we got it. Count us off, Bill. One, two, three, four. This is a five for five update. I don't even know. I'm not going to play five games five times anymore, but (laughs) here we go with some five lists, okay? Um, So, like I said, this is the Halloween season, and we should just start off with the fact that during this season, we watch a lot of uh, horror movies. So one thing we did start with, let's just talk about this real quick before we get to our five list. We did watch the movie It, right? Yes. What'd you think about it? (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. 
Uh, I think that the, you know, I kind of was, you know, a lot of times when I see that they're doing a project again, I say, why do that again? You've done that. Right. This is, Can we please this is have dumb. something new? Please do something new, Hollywood. And they right. Just, but this, I think this, this case, needed think it, it. Yeah, it definitely needed it. I didn't like the original. I yeah. love Tim Curry. It's very disappointing right. that I really did not like that movie right. back in the day. It's, this is a lot better than that. It's a lot better. Um, I know I never read the books, so I've heard that there's some abbreviating of it, some of the more gross things that Stephen King wrote into That's it. That's typical. The, uh, I mean, you have to do that with King sometimes. This, uh, this is still a very gory movie. It's very creepy. Yeah. Um, the final showdown gets a little cheesy to me just because, but it's like, uh, I think. Which we're not going to spoil or Right, anything. but everything else was uh, was really enjoyable. I thought it was really fun. Yeah. It really captured the spirit of what I think the game, that, that uh, movie should be. Yeah. You know? And that guy, he's pretty pretty good at Pennywise. Right, right. he's, I saw he's like super a, creepy. I saw an interview with him, and they said that uh, the little pouty lip thing that he does that's like a scary face he used to do to his brother to torture him when they were kids. <laughs> and it just kind of stuck. And like, so he does it without the makeup and it's like, Ooh, it's quite off putting. Well, I would say, I mean, without getting into it too much, obviously it's just, you know, there's it's some sort seeing. of, some sort of clown in the gutter, you know that, and it terrorizes kids. So yep. I would say totally worth seeing. I, I thought it was for me, it was a five out of five experience. Yep. Uh, second up, we saw Happy Death Day. This is the Groundhog's Day sort of horror movie. Horror movie. <laughs> uh, but it, it is a PG-13, so it's not nearly as gruesome as it and didn't have a creep feeling at all, almost. I mean, there were brief little no. just moments of, of you know, because obviously this is this is like Groundhog's Day where uh, somebody's repeating a day over and over and over again. And this this girl in particular is being murdered at the end of the day and is trying to figure out why. And she comes to some conclusion that that she needs to figure out who's doing this in order to stop dying and survive the day, you know. Right. And that's I mean, that's pretty much all you need to know. I mean, I've almost that's almost all there is to the movie at that point. Um well, you didn't ruin anything. It, it, it's. Um, I felt like the movie was really predictable. I don't think it really went anywhere that I didn't expect it to. In fact, I called the ending of the movie within the first like fifteen minutes of the movie, right? And it was just sort of like going through the motions after that. Nothing shocking, nothing new. A couple of like I, light laughs, and that's about it. I thought it was fun. Yeah, it was. It was worth seeing. It's not a horror movie. Like, I could watch this at night by myself. Right. You know, in a room of knives. I mean, it wouldn't scare me. Whatever. Right. Um, it's not that at all. But it was a fun little movie. But I'm sitting here to myself. I'm never going to watch this again. Well, I'm not going to buy it. But okay. if it comes on, you know, Netflix, I'll watch it. And I was mildly disappointed by it. Oh, Two sorry. out of five. Uh, I liked it a lot better than you did. I, I, you won't let me do halves. I, I would give it a three and a half. But since I can't do that, I'll go three. Right. Okay. But it was fun. I'd watch it again on Netflix. Happy Death Day. I say, don't bother. She says, watch it on Netflix. <laughs> um, last, we did uh, watch all five, or we watched five of the Halloween movies. All five. We've got more to go. <laughs> right. We watched the original five, like some of the, like five of the original eight. Then we watched both Rob Zombie movies because we actually bought the 10 pack, or I bought the 10 pack of Halloween movies on Blu-ray. Uh, we also watched House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects, too, if we want to talk a little bit about that. Um, as far as Halloween movies go, 
The first two are stellar. They both follow the same storyline, even though part two was directed by a different person than part one. Uh, it's still, he tried to emulate John Carpenter and he did a really good job in it. Um, I think the first two are fine movies. I, I like think the, first the one. third one is a, a massive departure. I think it stands on its own, but it's a little disappointing that they had to call it Halloween, which is the title of another property. Well, if they had, if it had been the second one, it would make more sense. Right. Because I guess his original intent was to do a different Halloween story sure. for eat for Halloween, like every, every year, whatever, every five years, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, which that would have been a really cool concept as well. Right. But the studio wanted Michael in it for a sequel and like they did, they did the sequel. Right. And then they've got this move, this other movie. Well, well, that doesn't even make sense. Well, they actually used the movie, the mist to try to coerce. Actually, it was the like mist. Yeah, the fog, the fog. Sorry. <laughs> Get those two confused. The fog. Uh, they used that to try to negotiate John Carpenter into making Halloween two with Michael Myers. And once he sort of double crossed the people who did the original Halloween movie and gave the fog to a different movie studio, once the lawsuit started, he was forced into writing Halloween part two the way they wanted it. Mm. And so that's that's how Halloween two came to be is John Carpenter wrote it and another guy directed it. Guy who was on like the team or whatever on the first movie. Um, You're right, though. Part three was John. John had intended to be doing a different story every time he did a Halloween movie and it would just be Halloween. Hey, it's Halloween. Here's another horror movie. Right. Is what he wanted to do. And the studios were like, no, we like sequels. You know, we want we want to make more money off of the same idea. Yeah. Just sell the same idea over and over again, which uh, does show in this because part one. Great. It's amazing. Part two. Good enough. I mean, that's that's fine. Part three, what the hell is this? You can't compare this it. It's not, different. <laughs> this is not the same thing. So let's skip it and go back to four. Part four, this Ugh. is terrible. What is this terrible thing? I don't Who even care this about this little, little girl. <laughs> Part five, oh, Why great. is she scared of everything? Part She's five. got like this, I poop myself, look, all the time. Oh, no, I pooped. <laughs> Part five. Oh, great. It's this little girl again. This is terrible. And she's terrible. pooping herself again. And and now, this is what's terrible, is that you and I have to watch part six. Does it have before, her in it again? I don't know. But then part seven and eight, they do, they the Halloween series throws out part three or part four, five, and six completely like they never happened. And they go back to Jamie Lee Curtis 20 years later. So I That's think it, the Halloween H2O. Right. Those, which we and, saw and, that at the theater. Like resurrection or something like that. Oh, geez. I don't even remember. But those. But we're getting there. There's two more that, that are going to be a different timeline. I don't know that we're going to finish these before Halloween. We are because we're watching one today, Missy. Okay, sir. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so we watched all those. Uh, I'm going to just spell it out right now. You just buy part one and part two and that's it. Get rid of the rest of it. Part one. Absolutely. Part two. If you still need a little more. That's how I feel about that. Okay. Uh, part three, if you want just a movie on its own about masks that take over people and have some, like, it has some pretty creepy imagery, but it has this made-for-TV feel. It really does. It might have been. I don't know. It does. <laughs> um, Rob Zombie did part one and two himself. Ugh. You hated him. Um, I hated him. Part one, I felt like he really tried to do... He he really tried to focus on Michael a lot more. And why he is the way he is. Right. Because instead he tried of just to like this, some little 
wholesome family. Right. He tried to give this whole idea of him hiding from his stuff and becoming more of a monster, you know, by wearing masks in the, you know, the home for the mentally, you know, but he messed was, up. Well, like the, he kind of defines it as he had a troubled childhood. Look at this. He's got a stepdad who sucks. He's got a mom who sucks. He's got a sister who sucks. Right. They all suck. And oh, he came out sucky. Um, That's not scary. That's dumb. Right. So scary is how did somebody so evil come from something so normal? No one could tell. That's creepy. Right. That's as creepier. You're right. Thank you. Part two, I think was better than part two of the original Halloween series. Personally, in part two, he tries to make this weird kind of ghostly connection between Michael's mother and it becomes almost an art film. Yeah. And, and it and there's like these weird ethereal moments, that, you know, that are just like, this is getting really out there, you know, between like Lori and Michael and, and these ghosts that are floating around, you know, in, in the background. And you can't tell what's real half the time. And it really kind of it got a lot more intriguing for me. Yeah, it was definitely better than his first one. Right. But still, I didn't care for it. So that much. I would give the first Halloween, how the John Carpenter one, a five out of five. Part two is a four out of five. It's not my favorite movie, but I'm definitely going to watch it. Rob Zombie's first one, I would give like a two out of five. And his second one, probably a three out of five. Two. You think the second one was just as bad as the first one? Well, no, 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 it wasn't as bad as the first one. Well, you rated it the same as the first one. The first one was verging on a one for me, like verging on turning it off because I just did not like where he was going with any of it. Uh, but let's talk about a couple other Rob Zombie movies really quick. You said House of a Thousand Corpses. We watched that. Um, you like that movie a lot. I like it. It's, yeah. It's very much in the vein of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original one. Right. Uh, where you've got these crazy hillbillies that aren't really justifiably crazy. They're just crazy. They're just crazy. And they do a lot of really random, violent stuff with no regard for human life. Yeah. It's it's a very deplorable scene, almost the whole movie. Uh, These innocent kids kind of just walk into it, and they're not really like in a punishing situation so much. Like Most of the time, it's like, oh, well, yeah, you're going to go get drunk in the woods and have sex, then got some guy's going to murder you. They're not doing that. They're just like, we're really interested in you, sir. Yeah. I'm going to murder all of you. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to torture you because yeah. you Well, they deserve- start off going to the, the Captain Spaulding freak show right. museum or whatever. Right. And they're very polite to Captain Spaulding and they really enjoy his stuff. They pay for all his stuff and then they end up just being tortured and murdered. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't really deserve it. And that's kind of a weird moment for me. That's that's one of those things that, that that's, a, you know, a differentiator for like those kind of uh, Texas Chainsaw movies and stuff like that. These people don't deserve what they're getting. It's very much. But again, that's you know, that, scary. Right. When you end up in a situation where there, you didn't really do anything. Right. Unusual or or, you know, you're not out egging people's houses or, or, you know, trying to mess up whatever you're just out there enjoying what they're offering. And then all of a sudden it's coming at you. That's crazy. That's creepy. Yeah. Cause, cause even, even like movies like that torture people, like, uh, like the, the, whatever the jigsaw movies are. Saw. Saw? Those people are all there for a reason, you know, And, and he's punishing them. 
He's yeah. He thinks they're all there for. You know, they're still not. Of course, getting no one deserves to be getting drunk in the woods or having sex with someone does not make it (laughs) necessary to be murdered. No, but at least you can psychologically see that a messed up person would say you deserve this. Right. Because you're 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 living the wild life. Right. Have wild things happen to you. Right. These people are not. I mean, maybe they're wild because they just go to somebody's house to to visit Dr. Satan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that part's kind of weird, but yeah, and it does get but a little I know, weird. Like, but, even uh, going like okay, when we've gone to Colorado, we'll stop at, at Hayes, Kansas. Is it in Hayes or is it just past Hayes? Anyhow, the the groundhog place, the Prairie Dog Village, Prairie Dog Village, yes. <laughs> and they've got they have like the two headed snakes and the five legged right. cows and and the little weird oddities and stuff. And sure. we've stopped there, yeah, because why wouldn't you? They've it's already there, and you. You know, but, but pay is your that ducket and you take a look at it. reason for us to be murdered? No, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. It's totally not reason for us to be murdered. I know. You know? But that's that's all that Rob Zombie needs in this movie to, to do that. Right. That's crazy. And uh, the, it goes it goes quite a bit farther, but it does have like all those tropes of uh, when you watch the whole thing. If you've just watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then you watch this, you'll be like, oh, my goodness. He took a lot of that and put it into this. Yeah. Um, then there's a sequel, The Devil's Rejects. Yeah. And this is this jumps right back in right at the end of that movie with these hillbilly people sort of on the run from the law after all the heinous things that they do. And um, it's just sort of like this is how it translates once we leave their little hillbilly world and what happens to them, which is just sort of like a lot more violence and murder and torture and. Right. You know, and, you know, tragedy. Yeah. And, and that it, one, it feels like that movie's stolen from Tarantino. It's it's a little more like that. Because it's like take it's the a first little... half of uh, From Dusk Till Dawn, and that's pretty much right. the first half of Devil's Rejects. Yeah, throw the vampire part out. Right. And just have, have maniac people riding around, these, these lawless people riding around doing whatever they want. Right. And, you know, event, you know, holding people up in a hotel room. Right. OK, yeah. We've and seen seeing that. what happens when everything catches up with them. Right. Know? So this is it's OK. It's all right. I don't I, I in hindsight, I remember watching it first and going, this was so much better than Devil's Re- or than House of a Thousand Corpses. Now I would like to flip that. Yeah. I think House of a Thousand Corpses was a lot more interesting over the course of the entire thing. There's a lot more phases to it, moments to it that make it a lot cooler. That one a was lot very flat. It's yeah. just, this is what's going on. You've got to live it out. And then once it's over, it's over. Right. You know? I don't know. I'd and I've say, seen that ending somewhere, too. I can't remember what movie he's copying on that either, but he's copying. Yeah. The man is not original. <laughs> Everything in his life is stolen from someone else, from the name of his band or himself, is stolen from... Uh, White Zombie was a an old horror movie. Right, it was pretty good. There, he's, there's <laughs> nothing original about the man. Even the makeup on Captain Spaulding, I think, was half stolen from from White Zombie, the movie. Like, wasn't there a creature in there that had that same similar hmm. makeup? I don't know about that that Captain Spaulding clown makeup. Well, Captain Spaulding, the name was stolen from the Marx Brothers. Well, yeah, but Just all the saying. all the characters in in that were there's stolen. Something from the Marx he Brothers. did something with. I can't. It's not Captain Spaulding. It's some. But there's some creature or something. I don't know. Anyhow, he right. does a lot of thievery. Let's just say that. Look, we promised a five for five, or like a five list. Do you know why the movie's got popular in the first, pa- first place? Why? 
because of his wife. Because she is interesting to watch. And she's, she is creepy. There's something just a little off about her. You need to she watch, does such a good job with right. that. You, when you watch the outtakes with her, that's when you realize that. Well, I didn't even have to watch the outtakes. Well, to if you watch that. the outtakes just to see how she is just in daily life, you're like, she does a really good crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Way better than you think. Okay, I you need know. to watch that then. Because yeah, watch she's the, watch the blooper stuff and just watch her kind of being on set, and it's like so night and day. Yeah, like she is actually pretty good at it. Yeah. Uh, so we promised some top five lists. Let's go into these. Okay. <laughs> First, let's talk about top five Halloween movies. Now, these movies are watched on Halloween, right? Oh, I thought you meant movies that were set at Halloween. Really? Yeah. Okay, I didn't mean that at all. Oh. Well, that's my list. Well, I didn't do that list. Well, so it's... this first list is trash. No, it's not. <laughs> what? Well, just... I thought that the, the movies that you watch at Halloween are usually a little bit lighter than than drag you through the mud type horror movies. Uh, they're they're not too heavy. Happy Death Day is a perfect example of a movie you could watch on Halloween, so that you don't you don't leave the room and feel like you missed anything, and it doesn't break the the spell that the movie has you under because it never had you under a spell. Yeah, no, that's this isn't my list. My list is movies that are set. On Halloween. Okay, let's hear your list, because I'm not even going to give mine. Well, do yours. No! You can't not do it now. Oh, yeah? You've hyped it up too much. I didn't hype it. I don't care. Okay, my number five Uh is I like to watch Ichabod and Mr. Toad. That is my number five as well. Uh, Ichabod and Mr. Toad is not set at Halloween. Yes, it is. When you look at the Mr. Toad part of it. Oh. (laughs) But Ichabod is, and Ichabod is the part we're talking about. Um... (laughs) Ichabod is the Headless Horseman story. Uh, it's classic, you know. Legend of Sleepy Hollow. In American uh, literature. Written by? I don't know. You can't remember? Who? I don't remember. Then shut it. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one involves a guy who uh, it's just a schoolmaster. Irving. Uh, Irving. He's a schoolmaster. He moves into town, into a small town to teach. This is like back in the days where they the town had one schoolhouse and it had one room in it and it taught all grades in that one room. And this guy comes in and he's kind of a pipsqueaky school teacher guy. And Tall, lanky, pipsqueaky. He, uh, he starts trying to get the attention of a local beauty who is also, you know, kind of, uh, you know, being courted by a big burly guy named Brom who is, you know, the antithesis of, of what Ichabod is. He's this, you know, you know, big working man kind of guy. And he, they kind of start, you know, going into like a battle of wits, you know, kind of between the two of them for the attention of this lady. And they end up at a party where Ichabod leaves the party. And for, you know, no explanation, a headless horseman chases him home and he disappears. That's the story. Right. Uh, this is the Disney version of this, and it's done really well. Yeah. This is as creepy as Disney can get. Yes. I've never seen them get creepier than this. And there's just like, there's like sound effect moments and stuff. It still has goofy animation on top of it, but it's done so well in this, in this, this is how you traditionally scare people kind of way. Right. Totally worth watching. It's got the classic animation feel. None of this computer stuff where everything's perfectly fluid and 
digital looking. It just, it's, I don't know. It's, it's really well done yeah. and it's genuinely kind of creepy. Yeah. It's a good one. The, mm-hmm. the finale of it is, is really fun. And there's songs that Bing Crosby sings on it and stuff. So right. why not? It's totally worth watching. Uh, what's your number four? Was that your number five that or is it my, just on your list? Well, my lists are always, it's just on my list. Okay. My number four is Scream. I really like the movie Scream. Now that could have been on my list. It's set at Halloween. Um, Scream is fun because uh, this was um, Wes Craven's sort of follow-up to, you know, his next successful series after Nightmare on Elm Street. And he kind of took a different approach. He, he went very much in the teen realm of movies. You know, he, he went jumped headfirst back into that. And this focuses on a bunch of high schoolers who have, there's a murderer around and it, you know, and he's killing people or whatever. But this uh, is so self-aware is what's so cool about this is this is the first time I've seen in a movie where a horror movie participant is very aware that horror movies exist. And this is where you get that infamous uh, rules of a horror movie, how to survive a horror movie where you never have sex and you never say, I'll be right back mm-hmm. and that, that kind of stuff. And that's such a, it's such a fun thing to say, you know, the writer of this movie wrote with all this stuff, you know, in mind and is completely aware of this and isn't just throwing a cliche at you again. It was cool. I think I have to change my number four. But Scream is Scream's very light. To Scream. Really? Right. Scream's very light. There's not anything too bad about it. You're not going to walk out of the room, come back in and be like, what happened? Oh, my, my, the magic's gone. It's not going to be like that. It's very, it's, it's campy still. It has that, has that teen party feel still. Right. You know? So Scream, a good Halloween movie. Yeah, I'm changing mine to Scream. (laughs) Well, I put ah, ah. Poltergeist, and now I'm thinking, I was like, was that Halloween? That no. one girl, didn't she dress up? She was dressed up. Weren't they doing something for Halloween? Mm-mm. Why am I confused? I don't know. Number three. Uh, my number three so is... So we're going Scream on mine, too. My number three is just a classic. I, I, I really like Friday the 13th as a movie. It's It's just stupid and to the point. You know, there's a bunch of kids. They're all at the camp early. You know, a bunch of counselors. They're all at the camp the week before the camp opens up and murders start to happen and they don't know why. And you can leave the room and come back in and nothing's going to change. It's still going to be Jason stalking Jason's, you know, mom (laughs) stalking someone and killing somebody. Someone's going to be stalked and they're going to be murdered. And the movie's going to continue playing on. And it doesn't matter if you miss one of those murders or not. You're not missing that much storyline. But it really just plays into that pure, this is the idea of a slasher movie, you know? Right. A, a really a really competent successor to, to Halloween, you know, like in that kind of vein of movie. As opposed to a lot of other ones that just went kind of dumb, you know? This one was actually done pretty well. Had, had a point to it. What's your number three? My number three is a number three. Halloween three. Really? I love Halloween three. It is set at Halloween by the yes. end. And it does a countdown during the movie with the silver shamrocks. Right. You want me to sing the, the background so you can sing the foreground? Oompa, 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 oompa. Happy, happy Halloween. 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 Happy, happy Halloween. Silver shamrock. So yeah, that was uh, that repeats over and over and over again through that whole. It's movie. played like five or six times throughout the and movie. It is, it is fun. It's a fun movie. Yeah. That's well, the reason one. they chose that is because it was London Bridge, and there's there was no uh, 
it was a what was that? License What's that? free. Yeah, free. it's royalty free. Right. So, uh, so yeah, that's a good one. Well, and the ending of it, which I will not give away, but the ending of it is genuinely a bit creepy. Yeah, it is. It has it the is. best ending of all the Halloween movies. You think so? Absolutely. It's pretty good because it's actually creepy. Yeah, it is. Whereas the rest are like, oh, he's dead. Oh, he's maybe not dead. I don't know. Did now he this- die? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> he's probably going to come back. He'll probably, even if he's dead, yeah, he'll still come back. This next one, I don't even know if I, I it should be on there, but it's got a lot of moments that are just scary. So, I mean, I feel like if you walked out of the room, walked back in, you would see another scary moment and it wouldn't really matter that you missed a, the last scary moment. And story-wise, there's... I mean, it's already set up and it just sort of plays out. And if you, as long as you don't miss the finale, you're not really missing much story. And that is In the Mouth of Madness. I don't find this that weighty. Really? Do you find it weighty? You kind of have to pay attention. Otherwise, it's all just a hodgepodge of stuff happening. It kind of feels like that already. Because he kind of goes into, it's a guy who's looking for an author who's missing and he goes to a town that doesn't exist on any map, but he finds, he kind of deducts a location of where this town should be. And he goes there. The middle of Kansas. And once he goes there, it's like the, the you know, the lids off of the, the jar and, and all this madness is spilling out. All this crazy stuff's happening all around him. And it doesn't really go anywhere until the very end. It's like, finally, it goes somewhere crazy. It goes it has little moments of, of like, wow, that's kind of creepy and that's kind of creepy, but it doesn't really, I don't think it continues telling the story until the very end after uh, a certain point, personally. I think it's a lot more weighty than you do. Then I'm probably wrong. What You're would you say wrong. your number two is? Lady in White. Really? Yeah. It's like, it was an old 1980s horror, horror being usually, loosely used mm-hmm. um, movie. Like, it's like a murder mystery. Right. There's a little boy who's been being haunted by this ghost, and he basically has to figure out what happened to her, and these supernatural things keep happening around him sure. that help lead him to the to find out what happened to the girl. Okay. And it's just kind of creepy, but it's, I mean, it's very, it's one of those that you kind of like to watch at Halloween because it's just, it's got the whole fall feel for it. It's kind of creepy, not super scary. Um it's just a fun little movie. And I think people have just kind of forgotten about it, but it kind of creeped me out pretty well as a kid. I just now thought of an honorable mention. <gasps> that Something Wicked This Way Comes movie? That would be a good That's substitute. That's kind of on this, yeah. That'd be a good substitute for In the Mouth of Badness. Okay. Something Wicked This Way Comes, about a carnival that I'll comes in it. the fall kind of time and it does some wicked stuff. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my number one is, of course, Halloween. Which I figured... Uh, and we talked about that. So Halloween, on. and it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. Um, so those are all great movies. What about my number one? You don't even care. What's your number one? <laughs> Is it Halloween? No. Why not? Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Oh, you're loon. Is that really at Halloween? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, they were supposed to go trick or treating. So weird. That's a made-for-TV movie. It, it is. It's a made-for-TV movie. And it is, it's like, if you watch it now, it does not hold up. And it's a little, so it's very it a product of the time. Because of the memories I have of that movie, I remember. So all, absolutely perfect, like, personal choice that has nothing is, to do with listeners. It could. It's still pretty, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's. 
It's a weird movie. I mean, no, it's a product of the time that I think people need to watch anyway, just because, you know, if you didn't grow up in the 70s and the 80s, then, and you're like, well, what was life like then? Well, watch this movie. That's what creepy was then on TV. And it just, I remember being so terrified by this movie, like just beyond terrified of this movie. Right. It was, it was. I mean, this is what nightmares were made of. Well, and I still don't really like, like when we go to the cornfield and stuff, Yeah, I, I can't think about this movie because it will freak me out. And, and I don't like scarecrows to this day because of that movie. Weird. Yeah. All right. Well, those are all good movies. They're, they're fine. You can watch any of those on Halloween. Heck but yeah. let's talk about some board games again. Let's do a five list on board games. Here are our top five scary board games. Okay. Okay, we're going to go through these faster. Okay, number five, Nicole, go. My number five is Eldritch Horror. Really? Yep. That's mine, too. Uh, Eldritch Horror has good stories on the cards. Uh, when you get into the adventures, they do set up horrific moments, and there are little moments of like kind of like, ooh. They do, they do a pretty effective way of just presenting a, a, a horrific moment and you go through it with a couple dice rolls and you're out of it that fast. Right. But overall, it doesn't quite have like a, the the overall theme of the game doesn't really horrify me very much. No, it kind of has more of a, it almost feels more sci-fi-ish. Right. It's the individual adventures. But it's, uh, yeah, but I like the adventure concept right. of it. So. All right. Number four. Uh, my number four would be, and you're going to, I mean, it's going to be a spoiler. Why? <laughs> Mansions of Madness. Really? It's a number four for me. Okay. Um, it's the same thing with the Eldritch. It's got good little, you know, uh, uh, little adventure parts to it. I like the adventure of it. Mm. Um, this, now that they've got the 2.0 with the iPad connectivity right. or whatever, um, it makes it so that you don't have to have a one versus many concept. Everybody can actually solve the little adventure. Right. Um, I don't know. It's just good. It's a good game. My number four is Zombie 15. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's got a, a tension to it because of how fast stuff needs to happen. I get real like tense and really excited during it. I know right. maybe that's not scared, but that's as but scary there's as anxiety to there, it. There's, there's something to it that makes you feel really, you know, not at ease. And you're just kind of like, oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. You know, and you're doing right. that kind of thing. And Which is how I think you would really feel if there were zombies out right. there. But that is actually my number three. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty fun, huh? Hmm. I like that game a lot. It's and it's one that you, it's another one of those that you want to keep playing as when you start it. You uh, want to keep playing it. My number three is Fury of Dracula. I think it's fun because you can hide. You set traps. People don't know what they're walking into. There's a shift in day and night whenever you you know whenever you would like to run into Dracula or whenever you would like not to be found by humans and. That kind of stuff, you know, or, or trying to get to humans and, and attack them and having your traps go off and stuff. There's a lot of like kind of moments, you know, of surprise in that and, and actual like worry, yeah. you know, where you're really worried about what move you're going to make. And it actually does create sort of a fearful situation. That'd be an, honor- that's an honorable mention on my list. Uh, number two for you. Uh, well, that would be Betrayal at House on the Hill. Really? You yeah. think it's a scary environment? Well, you yeah, do you're not in a know haunted... whenever someone's going to become the bad guy. Right. And you're in a haunted you. house. Right. Might yeah. Might be you. <laughs> and it's got that adventure aspect to it again. Right. I like adventure games. I like right. that 
whole I say, building your environment. And I'm going to say Mansions of Madness is my number two. What? I think it does pretty good. It does a, uh, a good job of setting the scenes. And I think the overall story comes out a lot better than Eldritch Horror as far as what you're doing and, and whether something's creepy or not. And it can and it does have the ability to kind of build on itself and become scarier and creepier and more ominous. And there's moments, again, where you're walking into a room that you're sure that this is the bad guy or these moments where you have to make some decision in the app that could lose the whole game for you. And you're genuinely nervous and scared about certain things. So right. I think, it's, I think it's pretty good. That's your number two. Yeah. Huh. You don't even want to know what my number one. is. I already know what your number one is. What is it? Arkham Horror, the card game. Nope. Whoa. No. Okay, then I do not know. What's your number one? My number one, you're going to say, is not really a scary game, but I'm going to say it's absolutely a scary game. Mm-hmm. Pandemic. What I mean, is scarier fine. than the end of the world by disease? That's fine. I think the scariest board game is Ouija. And I think it's completely dependent on your buy-in. Ugh. Really? I think that if you have buy-in, I think that more people have been scared by that game than any other game in the history of, of games. It's not a game. It's an activity. Right. But they call it a game, and they sell it in the game section, and I think that that game is scarier to people than any other game. Uh-huh. Personally, I have zero buy-in, so it doesn't scare <laughs> me. No. But I think that if I was to recommend a game that would scare people, if it, I mean, I would, I would just be a simple question of, like, do you, do you believe in ghosts? If they say yes, and then Ouija's going to, you know, make them wet themselves. Possibly. You know? Yeah. That's just the truth, is if, if, if you've got buy-in, then that game's as scary as it gets. Actually talking to the dead. Mm-hmm. I know, you hate Do me. Do you remember now. that movie, Witchboard? Witchboard? Uh-huh. Huh. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember. It was pretty cheesy. Yeah, I'm there sure most of them are. Anyways, that's our top five scary board games. So let's go on to another one. Since we talked about video games this episode, let's talk about the top five scary video games. Nicole, what's your number five? Um, my number five would be Fatal Frame. Yeah. It was like an old PlayStation 2 game that you you basically had your, your weapon was your camera and you were taking pictures around you. And honestly, it's been like many years since I've played it, so I don't remember a lot about it, but I remember being pretty creeped out. That was another one that I didn't really like playing by myself, like when I'm home by myself. Right. I'd play when you were home. My number five is Left for Dead. That's my number four. Left for Dead. It's Left for Dead, so it's number four. Well, Left for Dead is a perfect zombie horde shooting game, and and you play cooperatively with other people. You can play on one system if you want to. Uh, And you're running around, and what really does it for this is you're trying to get from point A to point B is all you're really doing on a level. And they put a lot of zombie obstacles in the way, and the zombies are pretty fast in this game. Um, They are really fast. But here's what's cool about this game is there's like these upgraded zombies that all have their little sound cues. Right. And there's just these awful things like there's a crying child sound that this one witch has that comes after oh, you. Oh, I hated her. There's all sorts of weird stuff. And you'll just hear it like echoing over the countryside. Uh-huh. As, and, and you know she's nearby. And if she comes up to you, she just comes running at you with her claw hands out and stuff. And then a wave of zombies comes right behind her and you're shooting everybody and trying to survive. That game's amazing. Oh, it's so good. We play Dead that again. It's just an awesome game. All right. Number four, Nicole. What's your number four? Well, it was Left 4 Dead. Okay. So you like Left 4 Dead. My Heck number four. Yeah. 
My number four, I think I'm going to say the original Resident Evil game. Resident Evil Part 1. This is the first game that I ever saw that was scary. I'd never been scared by a video game and made to jump by a video game ever until this point. And it was purely, I know Doom had already been around for a while, but Doom never made me jump. I Mm -mm. really just didn't. I had always heard people telling me that it scared them. Never did me. Mm -mm. I played it many times and never got scared. This one made me jump. Mm-hmm. There's there, and you were in the room. And it was mm-hmm. a very specific moment when you're walking down this hallway, and they let you walk all the way down the hallway, and all of a sudden through the windows, it's a perspective thing. So you're way down. You keep getting smaller as you go away from the camera who's in the front of the hallway, and you're going to the back of the hallway, and suddenly at the very front of the hallway, the glass shatters and dogs jump in through the window, zombie dogs, and run down the hallway after you. Mm-hmm. And and I jumped so bad, I, I couldn't believe a game could scare me that bad. Right. I'd never had that happen, you know? That's terrifying. And that's my number That's four. a throw the controller moment. Right. That's my number four scariest game of all time. Number three, Nicole. Uh, number three would be Saw. Really? Yeah. That, that, that game was, a, was pretty scary? It was creepy, yeah. It was oh. a good creepy game. Um, it's like a puzzle kind of game. You're trying to solve different puzzles and get out of the place... Before you get killed, of course, you know. Cool. But it was good. It was creepy. And they did a part two that was that was also equally as fun. Okay. So. All right. My number three, Eternal Darkness. Eternal Darkness was a game on the GameCube, and it was an investigative kind of survival horror game. And it had sort of a trippy kind of HP Lovecraft vibe to it. But what this game did that was so amazing was it broke the fourth wall and it blew my mind. They would do stuff like make you change controllers or turn the controller upside down. They would have weird things where you would just go mad in the game because there was a madness tracker Hmm. and you would just have like these like hallucinations that would happen and they didn't tell you when they were going to happen. It wasn't obvious you would hit the level that would be necessary on the on your madness track to have that hallucination, and the game would just randomly put it in 17 minutes and 45 seconds later hmm. when you're doing something else completely. And they just had many of these hallucinations. And like I said, fourth wall breaking things. Not the first time the fourth wall had been broken. That was probably reserved to Metal Gear Solid, but amazing. Metal I Gear. never did play that one. Metal Gear Solid had a had a guy called Psycho Mantis, I think, and he made you. I think he was the one who made you first time that made you plug your controller into the other control port in order to beat him. <laughs> and you you just you had no idea, and you got kind of hints, but you had no idea. Again, you were, like all your controls got scrambled up and stupid. And if you plugged it into the other one, you were like you were able to do it. That's a horrible trick to do. I know, I know. But this this thing had similar weird Especially didn't that stuff that come out like internet was still kind of barely a thing. So it's uh, not like it you was, could look stuff a, up. There was internet, but it oh. was I mean, anyway, that's yeah. my number 3 Eternal Darkness for the GameCube. Number 2, Nicole. Well, it's not quite like because it's so scary just because of the concept of it's a horror thing is uh, uninvited. It was like the horror version of Shadowgate back on the oh, NES. Yeah, I remember that. That's I mean, that was like really fun. It was again adventure games. I love that kind of right. stuff where you get to, you know, then solving puzzles while you adventure around trying to figure out how to get through the adventure. Right. But it was a horror version of it, and that was kind of cool. Yeah. Number two for me, I just played, uh, and that is Until Dawn. 
Yeah, I didn't. You didn't like, that like one. it. I didn't like it. Uh, but I felt like it. The it played a lot more like a movie than any of these games I had played so far, and it it had like a, an edgy feel feeling, and it reminded me a lot. The storyline kind of reminded me up to a certain point a lot of the movie Scream. At which point, somewhere in the middle, it takes a, a left turn at, at at Scream's ending and goes continues on into some other territories. I just got bored with it. Like, like I was like, I just wasn't into it at all. That's okay. I don't know why. I don't have to justify my decisions with you. <laughs> I know it was good. It made me jump a lot, too. <laughs> I right. thought it was genuinely creepy. My number, number one, one. Yeah. Is, your, is Resident Evil. That's like the scariest thing I've ever played. Part one? Any of them, really. really? That just, well, okay, no, no, I lie. Not any of them. The first one, because, wow, that dog thing freaked me out. Right. And this, this current one, because, again, it's like, it's, it's like playing, it's, it's the first time you see this scary game right. in this environment doing the VR with it. Right. You know? Yeah, that's, that's my number one, is, is Resident Evil 7 is so amped up. It's, it's nuts. Right. You're just, you're not ready for that level of intensity. I mean, because of the, because of the added immersion level, it's like so in your face. Right. You're just not ready for it. No. You know, to be like, there's these moments where they like grab you and the world is being shook around you as this person grabs you and shakes you and screams in your face or starts stabbing you with a knife or whatever. And it's just... And it's it's already just been creepy enough just because the world around you is... You know, you're going through a haunted house where the creatures are going to attack you. Right. I mean, believe <laughs> believe the hype. Yeah. That game in it's VR terrifying. is off the charts. Yeah. You and know? so fun, <laughs> but scary. All right. So then we have the top five scariest things that you've ever done. <laughs> ever done. Did you, did you complete this list? This list was hard. It was hard, wasn't it? Yeah. My number five. Your number five. I, in when my teenage years, shoplifted. Why would you do that? And it was scary. Yeah, because you're doing something super wrong. Right. I shoplifted at Walmart, and I had a spotter person follow me, like a person who's supposed to catch shoplifters follow me as I ditched all the stuff that I had and got out of the store and lost them in the aisles. Why would you even do it? I don't know. I mean, it's just something I did, but it scared me. What were you trying to steal? T- toys. Toys, yeah, stupid How? toys. Were you four? I know. You'd think. You'd think. <laughs> I don't have to go into this, but I did <laughs> shoplift once, and that was a pretty scary thing. Wow, mine's not like that. Um. Okay, so number five, I guess, for me is just going into any cave. Like any cave, any cave. Like you it, don't have a specific instance. Just no, but caves in general freak me out, and and there's no real reason. That they should, you we know, just because went the to ca- Marvel Cave. I know. And do you know why this one freaked me out? Why? That cave's been there since the 18. 18- well, it's been there forever, but I mean, it's been being explored since the 1800s where they used to have people climb down a ladder to get into this thing. Right. And we have, you know, a paved walkway and a metal railing to hold on to and stairs, you know, concrete stairs that are all purposely placed there. And they've had hundreds and hundreds of tours every day going through there. There's nothing to be scared of. It's pretty, pretty safe environment. They don't have rocks falling on people's heads or anything weird like that. But while I'm in there, it pops into my head 
what if there's an earthquake? We're so close to Nemadrid Fault. What if there's an earthquake? Oh my gosh, we're going to die inside a cave and be buried alive. That's horrifying, you know, because there's nothing you can do to get out of right. there and there's nothing you can do to stop that. Okay. That's creepy. All right. So going into caves, just any of them ever. Creepy. Scary. Right. Number four for me. Okay. I ran down a mountain after the mountaintop got struck by lightning once. <laughs> uh, I was at High Adventure Camp with the Boy Scouts, and they we were just kind of my buddy Trevor and I were up on the side of this uh, on this hilltop, and it was all rock, you know, as they as they are whenever you get up high enough. And we saw the storm clouds rolling in, and we're just kind of. St- sitting there watching it and I, and I kind of commented to him I was like we probably want to get down I think that's going to be actually a storm because in the mountains like this little cloud will storm but the, all the ones around it won't you know yeah and uh we we get it we get off of the cliff face part of it and over to like where we would where there's a rope that goes down the side of this rock face that the boy scouts had installed that you use to go down backwards down the hill <clears throat> now I was I had to experience this first person, so I only have Trevor's report on this. The lightning struck the top of the rock, and both of I was like, "Let's get off of here!" I scream, and I start running down the side of the rock, not touching the rope. And Trevor described it as it was almost like watching a cartoon because <laughs> you didn't fall and you were still just running straight up. It wasn't like you were leaning down, you know, against the rock face trying to stay upright. You just ran down the rock face <laughs> and got off the mountain. He goes, I had to turn around and take the rope because I was afraid I was going to kill myself if I did what you did. That's crazy. <laughs> so that was pretty scary. My heart was beating pretty fast. That was probably one of the scariest things I did was go up on top of the mountain during a storm. Okay. Uh, what's your number four? Um, when I was in grade school, I had to sing a song in front of the entire class or not just class, but the entire school. Yeah. And it was in Italian and I had to sing this <laughs> and like, we've established, I have terrible memory skills. Yeah. And when I don't want to do something, it becomes even harder for me to memorize stuff. So I'm not even sure that I knew all the words, but they're in Italian. So it's not like they knew the words either. There were some Italian people in the audience who were like, she is butchering this. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to sing it all soprano, so I'm in this... No, actually, strike what I just said. The Italian people were in the audience, and they were like, mamma mia. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. But I was in, like, second grade, and having to sing this song I barely know in a high falsetto soprano, so right. now nobody can even really hear me. And so then you hear them all start talking and you think that it's because you're so awful. It has nothing to do with that. None of them. Nobody can right. hear me. But still just terrifying, which is why I still have trouble singing in public now. Hmm. Because it's just. Number three. It was bad. Number bad. three, Nicole. Number three. Number three. I walked the grid at Starlight Theater. Uh <laughs> I mean, it doesn't sound scary, but I have I, I this is like a, uh, you know, like when you're walking down the street and you see like a grid in the sidewalk and you look down in there and you're like, oh, my God, that goes down like 20 feet. If this grate didn't hold up, I would I would fall 20 feet down in the, underneath the street. This is this is like 120 feet from the top of this building down to the stage. And it's where all the ropes and all the pulleys are in a, in a theater they call the grid. There's a walkway, like a layer of, of, of uh, 
of that that gridded kind of covering that's all the way up at the very top of this building. And when you climb up a whole, whole bunch of like fire escape type stairs up the side of this stage next to all these ropes that go up to these these pulleys at the top, these pulleys and these ropes go to battens, which are these pipes that go all the way across the stage and lower down. I went up all the way to where the batten pulleys are and walked across that grid. And it's just, I mean, your knees practically buckle when you start walking across this absolutely transparent floor, you know, that it seems right. like it might be safe. I don't know. They don't have any <laughs> kind of like harness or anything for you? No. Oh, wow. I, I, didn't, I didn't ask permission is what I'm saying. Oh. <laughs> no <laughs> well, one was your... on the stage and I right. snuck up to the grid and oh, walked you're... across the grid. You're just an evil, awful person. Well, then you? I banged my head while I was up there and you I actually bled a little bit. deserve that. That was scary. That was even worse. Then I was disoriented and scared of falling through the grid. <laughs> So that's uh, that's my number three. Right. What's your number three? Are we at no, we're only at number three? Oh, okay. Um, we'll go with this one. Uh, jumping out of a fourth-story window. Yeah? That was... And we might have talked about this. We window. Went to, yeah. Well, it was a window. It was an opening. Oh, yeah, yeah. We went to uh, a haunted house mm-hmm. downtown at the bottoms in Kansas City. Right. And uh, they... You had the option. You didn't have to do it, but you had the option that when you get out on the fourth floor, they would hook you up to this harness. You would leap out of the window Mm -hmm. and fall. Right. And then about like one story below you, they would actually catch you on this little, what what is that called? The, the, The clutch. Thank you. And they would lower you down to the ground. Right. So it's not like you're really jumping like, you know, into a poof of you know feathers below you or anything like that i mean it's it's a planned jump right but it's still pretty darn creepy right to just be in this harness and you've got to hold on to the rope and you know like if you accidentally let go of the rope and you fall backwards good chance you're going to fall out of this whole harness thing you know it's not it's not like holding your shoulders and stuff it's just you're sitting in it like a little swing or something right and that was pretty darn terrifying but it was so exhilarating and so much fun and i'm so glad that i did it <laughs> uh that's my number two was it <laughs> jumping off that that thing uh there's moments in your life where you do something and you have to sort of go to yourself like internally i i have to say this might kill me Why and then feel i feel like that though and then i just do it yeah. And this is one of those moments. I just felt like, well, if anything goes wrong, it's most likely I'm just going to break an arm or a leg. Well, I mean, honestly, you, you might break your neck. Yeah. And, and and I'm like, I'm going, I'm getting into this stupid harness and they put this rope around me and they're like, hold on to the rope. And I'm like, right, because if you don't, you're going to flip upside down and right out of this stupid harness and you're going to break your neck. Right. And the guy's like threatening me at the time going like or like trying to intimidate me. He's like, a lot of people don't do it. You don't look like you're doing it. I can tell. I can usually tell every time. And I'm just like, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. He's like, I got firefighters. They climb up the side of, you know, buildings on ladders and they won't do it. He goes, just take the stairs. I don't even know why you're bothering with the harness. And I, and I jumped off the thing. But I mean, there was that moment, though, where you go, this might kill me. And yeah. then you just jump off the side of the building. Oh, that was so cool. And it was like a five-story jump or something like that. It was scary. I loved Genuinely it. Genuinely scary. What's your, uh, what's your number one? Or wait, number two. Number two. My number two, um, surgery. Yeah. Going into surgery. Yeah. Um, I had my gallbladder out. Right. And like when they put you out, just uh, the anesthesia, 
you know, they, they have you count backwards from 10 or whatever. I get to about five and I'm trying to like tell the doctors, Hey, um, I can hear this really awful ringing. Like it's really loud. Like it kind of hurts my head and I can see them talking to each other and no one's listening to me. And I'm like, guys, hello. I can't do this is really loud. Can we do something? Is this normal? And I'm like, then they're not paying any attention to me. So I right. start they're just I'm kind waiting of, for you to fall asleep. Well, I don't know if they could even hear me. I don't know if I'm actually talking or what. Know. But I mean, I find next thing I know, boom, I'm up, you know, and it's all over. But for a minute there, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to be awake through this whole thing. <laughs> and I'm just petrified. And then boom, no, you're not. So but it was still it was it's terrifying. And, right. you know, and then like, I don't. Like after the fact, you told me something about like the statistics of people that die under anesthesia and stuff like that, right. which freaked me out even worse, even though at that point I was done, right. but still, that's a terrifying experience. Sure. My number one is having stints put into my heart. Yeah. Because they, they keep you awake for the procedure. Yeah. And which is way worse than mine. They, they are supposed to be giving me some sort of like calm me down kind of medicine that's not working. I'm completely aware of what's going on. I'm listening to their entire conversations and I can feel my heart being blocked and becoming like a heart attack sensation and becoming more intense as it goes. And I'm worried that I'm just going to have another heart attack right there on the spot. By the way, Fred had a heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just, I mean, it's, that's, it was terrifying when you were, when I'm doing the procedure and it just feels like I'm going to have a heart attack the whole time. And they're just like kind of chit chatting. You think this size? Uh, I don't know. Maybe move that a little farther in. What about that? No, no, that's too far. Pull back. No, right there. Right there. Is that cool? Bob, what do you think about this? Does this look right? Yeah, that, that looks right. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and do it. Oh, and it just feels like that. <laughs> It's pretty scary. Pretty scary stuff. That's the scariest thing I've ever been like that's ever happened near like the scariest thing that's ever happened in my life. But I didn't do any of it. But just being there helpless, knowing I can't do anything to help you. (laughs) That's your number one. No, it's not my number one. I didn't I didn't put it on my list because it didn't happen to me. I didn't do anything. I sat there and didn't eat for three days and drove through downtown traffic, which in itself is pretty frightening, um, and just survived each day not knowing what's going on and if you're coming home. Right. You know? So, yeah, that's like the most terrifying experience of my life, but I didn't do anything. Right. So so it didn't make my list. What's your number one? My number one was floating in this stupid salt lake. That scared you worse than anything. Yes. Did you not see me? <laughs> I saw you try to not do it. I was so panicked. I just, the only reason I did it is because we're never going back there again. Right. We've done it. You you had gotten in the water. Why would we ever go back? So this is my only opportunity in my entire life to float in this disgusting salt brine water. (laughs) And if I don't do it, I'm going to be mad the rest of my life that I didn't do it. I'm going to regret this, is what I, the, the, this, is, this decision. Here's the conversation. I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. And I go, I turn around and I look at her and I'm such a jerk. I go, no, you're not. I go, look at the end of today, you're going to walk away from here and you're going to have one of two stories. You're either going to say, we went to the salt lake and Fred got in and he floated. Or you're going to say, 
I went to the Salt Lake and I got in and I floated. It was the weirdest thing ever. Those are the two stories. I went somewhere and watched someone else do it or I did it. Right. You choose. And I did. I chose and I made it happen. As terrifying as that was, like I was in a near panic. Like, oh, and it, well, you could almost put it equivalent on the list as going on that float trip with you, but I didn't actually have to get in the water. Right. But that was, that I'm was. I'm surprised that didn't make your list. Be, be, well, one water experience is enough, I figure. It's kind of lumped into. The canoe into, trip. The canoe trip was terrifying, but I mean, <laughs> and at least then I had something to hold on to and I never got in the water. Oh my God. But on that salt lake, I'm, and, and I'm in a, I'm in a swimsuit first off and feeling grossed out about that. The water was cold. Um, I didn't want to take off my pants because <laughs> I was afraid that things would touch my legs. So I wore my pants <laughs> with my you, swimsuit. If you've never been to the Salt Lake, the entire water is just filled with dead brine shrimp. So Ugh. you're just looking at dead little creatures everywhere. They might have been alive. No, they were dead. Were there any alive? They're down on the bottom eating oh, stuff off the bottom and stuff. Yeah. You don't even These are the see floaters them. that These are, are dead. The dead bodies and the the water levels were really low too so it's even worse because there's just like rotted birds on the beach and it's just the stench and it was it was horrifying and i'm terrified of water like terrified of water (laughs) so but yeah the the your heart attack the only reason it didn't make my list is because that didn't happen to me and i can't even begin to to claim that all right (laughs) Let's get back to some games, okay, Nicole? That's our scariest moments, things that we've ever done, okay? (laughs) I spared Nicole this one, but here are the top five Halloween non-board games. Non-board I didn't know what you meant. These are just games that you can play with people. There's tons of them. Hide and seek is a game, isn't it? Right. Tag is a game. That's not on my list, okay? These are games you play at Halloween, like at a Halloween party or something? Well, like yes. beer pong? Yeah. So like like here's here's like okay, here's an honorable mention for instance. This is uh one I've never played because I've never played this called the Ghost Game. Players sit in a circle facing the center and attempt to sense the one person who is the ghost. The ghost player sneaks around the outside of the circle and players open their eyes at risk of elimination for being wrong if they sense the ghost. After a mental count of 10, the player next to the ghost that has not sensed them, the ghost will grab them and tell them they're dead. <laughs> so it's just like some weird kitty version of One Night Werewolf or something? Kind of, except you're, you're trying to sense the ghost and the person's sneaking around the outside of the circle. It's cool. I don't know. It's it sounds... one I've never played. No. Uh, number five, traditional flashlight ghost Four. stories. This is, that was an honorable mention. Oh, this is number five. right. Sorry. Traditional flashlight ghost stories. Um, That's and not a game. It is a game because you trade ghost stories. It's an activity slash game. <laughs> you know, it's trying to scare each other. That's the game. Oh, um, okay. Like, uh, and of course, you can, you can do like these 30 second ones even like. Uh, like, I just I just watched my reflection blink. You know, that's one of them. That's always creepy. <laughs> or or you hear your mom calling you in the kitchen. As you're heading down the stairs, your mom pulls you into her room and says, don't go, honey. I heard it, too. You know? Yeah. They're just creepy, creepy stuff, you know? That's that's just a couple examples. The next one, number four, that Bloody Mary game. 
It's you, sort of a dare game, but it's like uh, more of an activity in getting the nerve to enact a curse on yourself. You go into a dark room in front of a mirror and you exclaim Bloody Mary three times in the mirror. And the curse goes that Bloody Mary appears and murders you. Or and, just appears in the mirror, which is terrifying enough. Yeah, even even so. But it's like it's one of those things that as a child we would I knew about this. I don't think I ever did it. I didn't either. It was too scary. It was too scary. It's just like, why would I willingly curse myself with this? So anyways, which of course, if you want to see the movie version of that, it's called Candyman, you know? Yeah. But it it was scary. That idea. I still have never, like to this day, I've never done it. And I don't even really believe in that stuff. But what if, you know? Right. It's like I'm not willing to tempt fate just for... Something right. like what's the, what's the benefit if I did do it and I do see her? Is that right. a good thing? This no. Is... So what's the benefit? I can say I did it when I was 44. <laughs> this is called Pascal's wager. <laughs> Anyways, uh, next number three, uh, werewolf is a good, good game to play. That's the same thing. You just said werewolf's not the same thing. Werewolf, you socially are arguing. There's a moderator who oh, right. is aware of who the werewolf is and you argue around aware. and try <laughs> to try to figure it out. And I think if you get farther into it, it probably gets a little more creepy and the ideas become more intense, you know? Right. Um, I don't know why I, I may not have five. I'm just going to, I'm going to say that that sixth <laughs> one was my fifth one. Cause another one I said was for some reason I put Ouija on here, but I don't know why because <laughs> it's a board game. There's an actual board in that. Um, last is well, you can do it without a board. Oh, yeah, you can do it, like, on a table. Yeah, just get a glass, glass and then, like, some paper. and. Uh, last one is Ghost in the Graveyard. It's basically reverse hide-and-seek. One person hides, and everyone seeks them, and then screams out, Ghost in the Graveyard, one, two, three, or something like that, and then they go running back to their, their home base before the ghost can catch them. Right. So it's it's like a weird hide-and-seek game, you know? You know, it's weird, the stuff that you do as a kid, too, because I remember... Like one of the Halloween challenges was to go to a graveyard and like lay on a grave I never just to see that. if you could do it. Oh, I did do that because <laughs> then I, and I don't like there's no repercussion. It's not like, well, if you do it, then they're going to jump out and get you. Right. It was just, can you do it? You know, it wasn't a big deal. I wouldn't be intimidated by that. No, it didn't bother me really. Um, I mean, it's creepy, but, but those more, are more so because you're afraid the cops are going to show up. Right. You know, and they will bust you in a graveyard. Like, well, nowadays, I don't even know what they would do to you. But then it was, it, you would still get busted. Today, they'd probably just, I don't even know what they'd do. I don't know. People do such awful stuff now. Oh. They do. I mean, so they got to be, they're harder on people, I think, now. <laughs> All right. Because it's not kids just having fun and goofing around. It's people will screw stuff up. So. Right. All right, Nicole. Let's do one more and wrap up this episode. What? Okay. Okay. Uh, so we listed our favorite Halloween movies, but now what about our top five scary movies that we find actually scary? Didn't right. mess this one up, did you? No, these okay. are movies that I cannot watch by myself. What's your number five? Go. My number five is The Ring. What? I can't watch it by myself. <laughs> it genuinely creeps me out. Um, there's... The reveal is not what you think it's going to be. Right. The the movie is a videotape that you watch kills you seven days later. Seven days. Yeah. After after receiving a phone call. Right. 
Right. Back when the phones tape, existed. You get a phone call not just, it was that like tells your home you phone. seven days, and then in seven days. <laughs> and it was a videotape. Oh, it's such an old, dated movie. Right. So it's probably not even scary. Like to any kids now, they'd be like, why is that even scary? Hey, what's a videotape? There's a lot more to it where they're trying to discover the curse than, than they're like discover what the idea is. Like, remember how I said in Happy Death Day, she pretty much just says, oh, well, if I find out who the killer is, I'll be able to not be killed and I'll wake up on Tuesday. Right. And that that's all there is. Imagine there's three more, like two more levels to that. Right. Beyond that, that little deduction. Then you have the ring. Right. Because that is so base level. That's why I'm saying two out of five is because there's just no revelation. There's no discovery. <laughs> it's just, bleh, you know? Right. So the ring, it's a good one. The ring is creepy. And that, um, that girl is creepy. My number five is Last House on the Left from 1972. Now, this disturbs me now as it did whenever I watched it the first time at 10 years of age. I went Why would to, you watch that when you I were 10? I went 10? to a friend's house and I was already watching like lighter fare horror movies, you know. Yeah. I had already seen like Friday the 13th on, on you know, TV and I had already seen uh, a couple of other ones, you know, but I wasn't. Not Nightmare on Elm Street, though. <laughs> but I wasn't ready for that gritty reality yeah. version of horror. These other things were always supernatural, like Jason's an unstoppable killer. Yeah. He can't be killed. He's just going to kill you. Okay, well, obviously, unstoppable killers don't really exist in real life. So it's a supernatural thing. Last House on the Left is not a supernatural. No. It's it's it's, it's a story about a couple girls who go to buy drugs, and they go to someone's house to buy them, and then they get kidnapped. Then they get raped and murdered, and then... Well, you know, raped and tortured and murdered. Right. And it's it's very graphic, and I just, I mean, the only reason I watched it, and this is what's disturbing, I watched it, I, I stayed the night at a guy named Paul's house, Paul Weinsrull. <laughs> but Paul, uh, his older brother would rent movies for, for us, and the diff- age difference for Paul and his brother was considerable. I think mm-hmm. they were like seven or eight years apart. And his older brother took us to the movie store, and Paul went over, picked up the tape, and said, oh, have you ever seen this? We got to watch this. It's awesome. So, so he'd seen it yes, and enjoyed it? 10-year-old Paul enjoyed Last House on the Left, which is just, just an absolutely despicable movie. So is he a serial killer now? That's what I wonder. <laughs> Some, somehow we find out he's listening and he's like, I am not. Well, I have, no, I'm I a computer it. programmer. I doubt that. But the, uh, <laughs> the, I, I viewed it when I was in fourth grade. And, yeah. and I mean, it was traumatizing. I bet. Because it's very graphic. It's very real. It's one of Wes Craven's like very early Hollywood. I don't have to answer to Hollywood kind of movies. I just want to shock people into paying attention. And it feels like it. That one's a pretty shocking movie. It's traumatizing. Yeah. That's a scary movie. Right. Because it's very real and it could very really happen, you know. Yeah, someone. definitely. That's number five for me. Last House on the Left original. You're number four, Nicole. Exorcist. The original really? Exorcist. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. I can't really watch it by myself. Um, it's just, and it's, you know, I don't. I, I, it's based on a true story. I don't know that I'd really believe that at all. I mean, based on a true story, yes, that somebody was a little bit insane. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, true story that somebody's head can spin around three hundred and sixty degrees. Nah, I don't no, think so. That's not true. Um, and levitate off the bed and blah blah blah. Gallons of fluid. From right. The belly that yeah. No. Isn't there. But it's still 
the movie itself is really well done. And like they, especially when like the version we have with the added, the spider walk thing where she's Mm. going down the stairs, that is a creepy image that just kind of freaks you out a little bit. Um, but it's just, it's filmed really well and, and creeps you out. Oh, there's just moments in that movie. I always remember like her just like turning around and going, Reagan is something wrong. And then she just wets the floor. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and even more so to think about that girl having to do this part, you know, I mean, it's one thing to watch that kind of stuff when you're young, but to actually have had to do that stuff. And then later, when you're young, and then later when she's like in her post Rick James dating era, me, me watching her on like some show and going, "Wow, Linda Blair turned out pretty attractive." Oh my gosh! <laughs> anyway, that's fine. Number four for me is The Shining. Really? I don't know what it is. There's like there's those moments in that movie, especially the kid driving around his little tricycle in the hallway and stuff. Big that wheel. Are just right, but I mean, there's just these moments of. Just creepy, you know, use of sound and use of imagery. And and it just it's stunning. You just kind of you just don't know how to take it in because it's not really being explained to you. Yeah, it's just happening and you don't understand it. I remember watching it like thinking, oh, the shining's not going to be that scared. Once again, confident Fred of his youth thinks that because he's seen Friday the 13th, he can watch anything wrong. The Shining is considerably <laughs> scarier than Friday the 13th. I, I don't know. I can watch The Shining by myself. I mean, I can watch all these by myself. I don't have that issue. Well, that's my judge of, is okay. it that scary or not? Right. But I, so. I just, I think the imagery in that was shocking. The old woman in the tub uh, it was skin crawling. Yeah, it me. is. It is. So anyways. But, yeah. Um, that, I, I, thought the I love that movie. I, I think it's awesome, but I wouldn't. I, I don't still think, think it's, it's scary. I don't think it's as scary. I think it's scary. Okay. You're number three. Uh, hold on. I gotta wake my phone back up. Um, this one, I need to see it again to really confirm how scary I think it is. But at the time that we watched it, it really kind of creeped me out. It follows. Oh. It's good. It is a good movie. Um, we kind of like, I mean, the, the premise of it is when you explain it, it's just like, that sounds dumb. Right. And it's basically uh, death is an STD. <laughs> so right. when you have sex with somebody right. who's got this STD, then it kind of gets passed on to you. Right. And now there's this thing that um, follows you everywhere all the time, but it's so slow moving. Once again, it, and I think I think the magic of it is, and I've said it before, but the uh, I think the use of sound in that movie yes. is very disturbing, and I think that they use it in a very creative way, and and that this, the the reaction noises and stuff like that, and the setting noises are more like a noise and less like ominous tones, right? You know? And they just the guy's really creative, and it's it reminds me a lot of Carpenter. Like early Carpenter stuff, because it's just, it's cool. The fear factor in that is completely based in the movie making experience and not in the story writing experience. Right. And I think that's, I mean, that for most good horror movies, that's kind of what defines it is how well it's filmed and and portrayed. Yeah. Not so much the story. They made the movie well. Right. And and even though the movie is just kind of okay. Yeah, but I want to watch it again. Yeah, it's. I don't know if I can watch it by myself or not, though. Yet I haven't seen it enough times to know. Right. Um, My number three is the Babadook. I think the Babadook's creepy. 
I think it's uh it's it's uh got a very like it, it's kind of has like a I don't know it's like it's like paranormal activity and a fairy tale kind of mixed up maybe I don't even know mm-hmm. it's 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 very creative very unique it's it's it you know stands out and I think that there's like uh maybe the ending's not my favorite I've ever seen but I think that there was uh, that the movie itself just had a uh, a really nice creep factor to it. I think the ending is what ruins it for me. I yeah. I thought it was okay. I thought it was a really great movie and then it was okay. Right. I mean, I kind of it kind of gets there, but overall the movie itself really creepy. If I mean, I'm sure if I was in a dark house by myself, this would be to me it'd be creepier than paranormal activity or anything like that. Yeah. You definitely. Know? So anyway, Babadook my number 3. What's your 2, Nicole? Uh number 2 would be Woman in Black. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I like that one. It's it's a haunted house kind of movie. Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, Harry Potter. Who knew? Um, but again, it's just the settings and the images that they give you. Um, Storyline, it's, it's a haunted house movie. Right. Um, but the, the way that they show it to you. And there's a couple jump scare kind of moments um, that, I mean, they're scary. Jump scares are always scary. Right. But... Only because you don't know what's coming. So once you do know what's coming, if it still scares you, then it's a really good moment. And this, right. this, I think a couple of the jump scares are still creepy enough. I think it's got uh, good lore to it. It has a good like backstory kind yeah. of feel. It sets that kind of you know this this house has a past kind of feel. Mm-hmm. But then on top of it, it does something that I think that like Sam Raimi is the master of, which is just. It gives you so much haunting. It's it's just insane. If you were to just start counting the haunted effects and the haunted moments and what's happening, like, you know, weird footsteps go downstairs, this thing flickers, then this thing happens, you would just, it's just off the charts. Mm-hmm. The amount of detail and the amount of haunting and the amount of like, like instances of, of haunting that are happening is, is just mind blowing. Right. That's why it's good. Mm-hmm. And I it's like very it. heavy contrast and everything like that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's got a very ominous look. Um, my number two is The Vich. I don't know why. Yeah, that one. You I You hate it. It's okay. I don't hate it. I need to watch it again right. with subtitles because the... the, the Old the, English or whatever. Yeah. And I couldn't hear it. There was something messed up with the right. audio quality on the, on the one that we watched and there weren't right. any subtitles on. I didn't know what was going on half the time. Well, this one is, it's sort of an art house horror movie. Uh, it involves a small homestead. Uh, they have a missing child. Uh, it's got a really slow building dread to it. And it, there's like a distrust between all the characters or like in, in the movie and the payoff for a patient, you know, sort of mature viewer who's not just looking for jump scares will see this as, as a great horror movie and not just a startle you movie. It's it's really good. Mm-hmm. The Vich. That's spelled V-V-I-T-H. <laughs> T-C-H. T-C-H, yeah. So what's your number one? I think it's still pronounced witch, though. I don't care. <laughs> what's what? My What's number your one? number one? This is going to be so stupid. The original Carrie. Yeah? I don't know what it is, but the ending of that movie freaks me out every time. I can watch the whole movie by myself as long as I turn it off before the end. Weird. I think her mom's the scariest part of that whole God, thing. her mom is 
freaky, scary. No, the scariest part of the whole movie beyond the end, and I can kind of watch this part, is that creepy Jesus that she has in the closet. The way that it's painted, that its face is done and stuff, it is just horrifying looking. I don't know. I'm just terrified by her mom. Because she's a nut. Right. But the, uh, it's just, I don't know what it is about that movie. Right. And it's not even something that's possible, you know, because it's, she's got psychokinesis or whatever, telekinesis. Yeah. I mean, you can't, ooh, she can move things with her mind. Well, no, you can't. But it's still just, I don't know, the ending of it just freaks me out. Right. It's made too. I know. And they do a good job of it. It's what set up the ending to Friday the 13th. Yeah, that ending freaks me out a little bit, too, right. but not not nearly the same. I don't know why. My number one is The Ring. I don't know what it is. Because it's great. The Ring has has one moment that has, like, more than once sent a, a chill down my spine mm-hmm. when it happens. And I just, I know exactly when the moment is. I know it's coming, and it still happens. And, and I still, still, go, still, my mind just reels and goes, what does that mean? What do you, What? You know, and I just freak out. I have right. a little mini freak out at that moment. And it's just, <laughs> what a great, what a great movie. That was, uh, that was a solid one. And I even watched Ringu and I, it doesn't hold up comparatively. Mm-mm. No. Sorry. You know, a lot of people say, oh, if you, if you like the grudge, you should have seen the Japanese version of it. And it's like, now see eh. with the grudge, I like the Japanese one better with the ring. I like the American version better. It's way better. It's way more polished too. Yeah. Uh, so that's our top five uh, actual scary movies that scare us. And that is it for this special edition. We of feel Ten like Gaps. we've talked enough. <laughs> yeah, we've done almost three hours, Nicole. Uh, so, And we didn't even like do a playthrough review kind of game, but I don't, I don't think, much, we're, well, I don't think we're going to be doing that. That's a lot to do. Right. So. Anyways, uh, that's our special edition of Tabcast Halloween, and Halloween's pretty much the reason why we did this. We just like Halloween a lot. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Maybe we'll return at Christmas. I don't know. Maybe with some more game discussions. I don't know. Maybe we'll do something totally different. Maybe, I don't know. It just depends. We'll see how it goes. Oh, hey, I did want to mention, here's something funny. When we uh, announced that we were quitting... The week after we announced that we were quitting, right? we got offers for free games, which we did not accept because um, we're not going to do that. That's people don't. That, that'd right. be stealing. Sure. And we got an offer for uh, a website, Pippa, that was going to let us sign up for free for right. our hosting. So now we're not having to pay for that part. So there might be more chances of us doing stuff in future just because right. it's a pretty, it's much better than what we had before. Like much better. <laughs> like so much better. So good job, Pippa. Well, maybe we'll maybe we'll record another one of these in the next couple months and talk to you guys then again then, I guess. Yeah. Thanks for listening. I don't have an outro, Nicole. Well, you didn't prepare? Was that my job? Yes. God dang it. I suck at this. Happy Halloween.